better. Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Tuesday, December 12th, 2023 Lawrence City Commission meeting. And this time, our first item up is our executive session. And I would consider a motion to recess in, into executive session. I move to recess into executive session for approximately 30 minutes to discuss privileged legal communications from the city's attorneys regarding pending litigation and claims and to discuss laws and policies pursuant to KSA 75-4319B2. Second. The justification Oops. for the executive session is to keep attorney-client privilege matters confidential at this Sorry time. That. City Commission will resume its regular meeting in the City Commission room at approximately 5.32 after the executive session is concluded. All right. Second. All right, I got a second. Um, all right, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Hearing none, it's five to zero. Aye. Five to zero. So we'll be in executive session and uh, see you in a bit. We're back from executive session and have nothing to report. Um, we will commence the regular meeting at 5.45. Now we're in recess. Recess. Er, recess? Everybody good? Yes, sir. Let's do it. All right. We're back. Welcome, everybody, to the December 12, 2023 Lawrence City Commission. Uh, back and uh, to get us started off with item B. Or, actually, uh, Sherry, can you go ahead and give us the rundown, please? Yes, thank you, Mayor, and good evening, everyone. To minimize distractions during the meeting, please silence your cell phone. For those attending virtually, please ensure you are muted and your video is off when you are not actively participating in the meeting. The city reserves the right to turn videos off or mute virtual participants. The meeting is being recorded and broadcast on the city's YouTube channel and cable channel 25. When the mayor calls for public comment, please approach the podium to indicate you wish to speak. Those participating virtually should use the raise hand function to indicate they wish to speak. Please leave your virtual hand raised until you are called on. If you have any trouble, you can send a chat and all chats go directly to the meeting host. Please state your name before speaking, and all comments will be limited to three minutes. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you, Sherry. All right, to get us started with item B, approving the agenda. The City Commission reserves the right to amend, supplement, or reorder the agenda during the meeting. I would uh, for a motion on this. I move to approve the agenda. Second. All right, I have a first and second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 None opposed. Motion approved, 5-0. All right, moving us to our next item, item C, public comment. The public's allowed to speak on issues or items that are not scheduled for discussion on the agenda. Comments should be limited to issues and items germane to the business of the governing body. The commission will not discuss or debate these items, nor will the commission make decisions on items presented during this time. Each person will be limited to three minutes for comments. Do we have anybody here for public comment? <coughs> Sir? Can you hear me? Yes. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay. My name is Dan Cady and I live here in Lawrence, Kansas. First thing I want to do is wish everyone a Merry Christmas. 
Now I'd like to congratulate Mike Dever on joining you. It was a tough election, but he, he persevered. And we're happy to have you here, Mike. Now, being as how it's Christmas time, I just want to know if I'm going to get a coal in my stocking or something good. <laughs> this is what I want. I want you to halt tax increases. You have an opportunity to do, do that. People are struggling. A lot of people have to budget. They have to make cuts. I know I do. My neighbors across the street, young couple, had a baby six months ago. They're struggling. They, 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 they saw their, their income tax, or their personal property tax, went up double digits. They just bought the house two years ago. They're struggling. They have to make cuts. One thing that I don't see is this group here making cuts. What they do is go to the well. Let's, let's get some more money. We need another $1.1 million. Let's throw it on wastewater or, or solid waste. That's not right. It's Christmas time. Let's give people a break. There's no reason to add more taxes with no, no cuts in spending. I never see anything on the agenda. I haven't seen anything this year that, that involved cutting spending somewhere. That's, this is the Christmas present I want for, <laughs> for all of us. For all of us, halt tax increases the, for the rest of this year and then going into next year. Thank you and have, have a Merry Christmas, everyone. <clears throat> um, before the next person comes up, I would, might add that if, if everybody could be quiet while the person up there is speaking, it, noise carries really weirdly in here, so we can kind of hear <laughs> everything, so I appreciate it. Hi, my name is Sue Herring. I live here in Lawrence. Um, I'm here tonight as a landlord and also to say hi to the new guy. <laughs> These tax increases imposed through property tax by the county, I'm speaking for my tenants. To give you an idea of what impact that's having, before we talk about more from the city. If I was to recoup the property tax increases that I pay as a landlord, if I was to try to recoup that from my tenants, I would be raising rents $180 to $200 a unit, and I can't do that. So it comes out of my hide, ticks me off, and I come chew on you guys. You may think that these small, I read this, the, today's paper with the storm water, and it sounds you know, kind of innocuous. It's gonna be $1.64 here, it's gonna be whatever it was, little bits and pieces. But some of my tenants are on, as Dan spoke about, fixed incomes. These things hurt, 
and we need you people to please turn your, your paradigm around. Look at us as the people, remind you that we are the people who elected you. Look at us as people you re represent, that you protect, and that, that you try to carry forward in a good way. Instead of viewing, as I see it, as people to impose things on from above. Thank you. Hello, I'm Linda Winemaster. Uh, welcome to the new commissioner. I welcome the days that I stressed about the wasteful spending on artwork, like the ferry motel in front of the police station. As I watch the destruction of a once lovely community, I see the awakening of the sleeping giant, the overtaxed residents, safety, services, spending, and sanitation. You have failed your basic duties to this city. As an elected precinct committee chairwoman, I need to do more to get out the common sense vote. I ran for this office because of the illegal taxation of a small group of residents of Queens Road. Your job is to spend our money wisely for the good of the community. You work for the citizens. The invasion of the homeless to Lawrence is because you're not protecting our city. I view that no differently than the illegal crossing of the border. Time to pull the emergency brake and stop this nonsense. The commissioners have lost the direction to fulfill the duties for the benefit of the community. I hope Mr. Dever has the ability to stand up and govern for the people and some of the fringe nonsense will stop bankrupting Lawrence. With his leadership, he might stop this runaway train. It only takes one voice to awaken those who have caused this. The days are numbered for a prosperous Lawrence. Get back to the basics. The Eagles are driving this debacle. They are steadfast to being right about their desire to put everyone in a home. What is the cause of this situation? Maybe the homeless don't want to participate in society. When did your desires become the responsibility of the taxpayers? You created the chaos, and now you have a solution at the expense of hardworking families and retirees. Our disabled adult son was with a supervised local social group downtown. He saw drug needles on the sidewalk. Knowing the unsafe and unsanitary conditions, he kicked them out of the way. When did it become legal to do illegal drugs in Lawrence? The commission's direction with the homeless community is misguided at best or absolute corruption. I believe the latter. I can be fined for not removing the snow from my sidewalks. The homeless can defecate on those same sidewalks. The city does not follow their own code of compliance. Code for the city dumping sewage is prohibited. For the purpose of this section, sewage is defined as any substance that contains any of the waste products or discharges from the bodies of human beings. Kansas nuisances prohibited it shall be unlawful for any person to cause anything dangerous to human health or anything that rend renders the ground, the water, the air, or the foods hazardous or inju injuries to human health is deemed and declared a nuisance. Enforce oh, the laws of Lawrence. That's time. Thank you. Enforce the laws of Lawrence. <clears throat> Thank you. 
Michelle Eagleman, Precinct 17 committee woman reporting for duty. Unfortunately, I've got bad news. Upon canvassing my neighborhood this fall, I had the opportunity to talk to a neighbor. This gentleman had an office downtown for decades, but moved his office home this spring. He saw clients at his office on Mass Street. The problem was that by 2020, having clients come to his office was not a pleasant experience for them, and it was also embarrassing to him. Even when he wasn't seeing clients, he himself had to deal with the loitering, the smell, the noise, and the trash that is a function of open camping and living on the streets. As you know, the city's working on a homeless plan. I've attended a few public meetings. During the course of the planning, homelessness has steadily increased. The increase since last year is 51%. The city is trying to deal with the problem by providing money, food, housing, and transportation. This is not reducing homelessness. It's increasing homelessness at an unsustainable rate and the problems associated with it, like what my neighbor experienced. Downtown is no longer a coveted and prestigious place for business or a destination shopping place for visitors. It's no longer a feather in Lawrence's cap. Another project that Lawrence is so proud of touting is the bike path. I used to walk my dog along the bike route and had occasion to call the city more than once regarding very obvious campsites with tents, trash, shopping carts, etc. Once I passed a police vehicle on my way home and rather than call the city, I approached the officer and told her about it. The officer told me the city doesn't allow them to enforce certain rules. The city seems to have decided to encourage homelessness. Fast forward to now. The quick and juicy federal money that is driving the plans, such as the homeless plans and open spaces, have led to waste and bureaucracy and hypocrisy. If the city and county want open spaces, they need to show they can control the open spaces they have now, like in the parks and along the bike paths. If the city wants a safe and prosperous community, which draws working people in and benefits everyone, the city needs to decide whether they want homelessness and the issues that causes. One thing that my precinct is hoping for is a change. As far as the makeup of the council goes, we got a little. There is hope that this change might have an effect on certain policies. Bigger government and throwing money at the problem is not going to solve anything. In conclusion, canvassing my neighborhood exposed the frustration people are feeling as a result of high taxes and the city's apparent incapacity to make this a safer and more prosperous community. Maybe the next city council can change that. Thank you. Hi, this is Chris Flowers, and um, lately at my work, um, we switched our bathroom so it's not, um, it's, it's gender neutral now, so it's not separated by male and female, and I, I think that's a better, a better deal, and, but I, I had a different idea, and I just want to present that to this commission. When we think, of, I, I just want to challenge us to be thinking about how our bathrooms actually work. And instead of, like, I'm talking right now about single bathrooms where it's one person in, they lock the door. But this could also be expanded to how bathrooms out there are. But it's 
mindsets. Well, I, I just want to, I just want to throw that throw that out there. But I say instead of separating bathrooms based on gender, we we separate them based on pooping and peeing. Because then the peers wouldn't have to go into a smelly bathroom after a pooper. And I would say this is more fair because then the people who have to deal with the poop smells are the people are, who are doing the pooping. And also, poopers take more time. So what if, what if both bathrooms were taken up by poopers, then someone trying to take like a one minute pee is gonna have to wait five or 10 minutes for a pooper. So I, it's, that's more fair you know, for the people who take more time that they should be the ones to have to wait, potentially. Um, and I also, like, it's kind of like a, a, a bathroom dedicated to peeing. It's kind of like an express lane at the grocery store where it's, you're not taking a lot of time, so you have a bathroom dedicated for you. Um, and also, I'm gonna say this would be better for janitors. When, I mean, if you're cleaning up bathrooms, wouldn't you rather that only half the toilets are being pooped in as opposed to all of them. Um, okay, and then how do we keep poopers from using the pee bathrooms? Because some of these people, they're not going to want people to know that they're pooping. But I suggest we put bidets in the poop bathrooms. Because this, the people, type of people are going to want to poop in the pee bathroom. They're also the same type of people that are going to want a bidet. So if you have the bidets in the poop bathrooms, that's going to encourage people to go there. And also, I just want to speak of bidets. I looked into this and they're, it says they're more environmental, environmentally friendly. Um, so even if we don't do anything with our bathrooms, just adding bidets, from what I've read on the internet, it is more, it is greener, so it would be better for the environment. And I'm running out of time. Um, and also, this this would still be trans friendly because it's not separating by gender; it's separating by use. So I just want to throw that out there. And also, look into the bidet thing. It does say it is more greener and it's more hygienic. Thank you. Any uh, other public comment here in the room? Sherry, do we have any uh, in Zoom? Is there any general public comment on Zoom? No, Mayor. All right, I'll bring us back. Yes, there is. I just can't find the raised hand. Okay, go right ahead. All right, this is Michael, Lawrence Accountability. I gotta say, I personally don't wanna be discriminated against whether I have to pee or poop. But I gotta tell you, the, the craziest thing is, is as he's talking through that, I'm hearing the word germane just pounding into my ear. Germane, how many times have I been told about germane and shut down at that thing? But you guys don't dare crush shit, crush Chris because you all like him. He's been there over years. You're not gonna dare crush him the way you have me. You set a different precedent every time you have a meeting. Now, getting back to what I came in here to originally say, I want to be there tonight. I couldn't. I've got a broken arm in case some of you didn't know, and I spent the afternoon carrying propane bottles around, helping people stay a little bit warm during the freezing weather. The cold-hearted bullshit about homelessness that we're hearing is lumping everybody into one thing. You're trying to say that all homeless people take shits downtown. You're trying to say that all homeless people cause this problem. I don't have a problem with enforcing some laws, but let's do it fairly and let's do it reasonably. 
But when you're trying to label an entire community with just the bad things that go on, how about those people out there getting jobs and working in the public? Tron came in and talked to you guys a couple weeks ago and made a made an impression. Was that last week? Made an impression. But you guys want to lump everybody into one group. The problem that we have here, and everybody really nails this, you guys are getting sued from every direction right now. You're getting sued from the people in the business community. You're getting sued from the people in the advocate community. And the reason is, is that you have a mismanaged city. And that revolves around the city manager's office. That specifically is Craig Owens' responsibility. With this new commission, with the added member and Courtney Shipley being gone, which praise everybody, but with our new commission, can we look at our problems in the city manager's office and either force Craig to get, get with the program and start treating things equally, fairly? These, these ideas that you're gonna increase spending 2%, you, the, we'll talk again on your budget thing, but 2% is nuts, or 10%. 10% is nuts for an adjustment. That's all I got to say for right now. That's all the public comment on Zoom. Okay. I'll go ahead and bring us back and continue on. All right. Item D, the consent agenda. Um, Items on the consent agenda are considered under one motion and approved by one motion. Members of the governing body may remove items for separate discussion if desired. Members of the public may remove items identified as quasi-judicial for separate discussion if desired. Members of the public will be limited to three minutes for comments. All right, uh, first to the commission. Would the commission like to pull any items from the consent agenda? I would I'd pull D7A. I, I, I think the public could pull it too. I think there's a lot of people who'd like it pulled, but I'll just go ahead and pull it to save them the effort. Okay. I'd like to pull D8A. Any other items? All right. Seeing as there are none, I would entertain a motion to approve the consent agenda absent D7A and D8A. Move to, go ahead. Move to approve the consent agenda with the exception of D7A and D8A. I'll second it. Okay, I have a first and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And see aye, none opposed. It's five to zero to approve the consent agenda absent D7A and D8A. Okay. That will move us on to items E, items removed for a separate vote. And to start us off, D7A. Um, obviously, we got a few emails about it. I assume we'll have some public comment on it, but maybe if Becky or Jeff or someone wants to give us an overview, Randy, and then that's all. I, I just want to pull it mm -hmm. to hear the comments. Yes, this is Randy Larkin, Deputy City Attorney. Uh, this is an item regarding the site plan that was approved two years ago. Uh, it was finally approved on November 9th of 2021 as a two-year expiration period. The applicant has filed a 
application to extend it an additional two years. They filed it before the expiration of the current one. And so really what we're here is to determine whether or not there was good cause shown or whether the applicant will show good cause to extend the existing and current site plan an additional two years. And here with, uh, with me is uh, Becky Peppers, she's the planning manager, and Jeff Crick, who's the planning director, is online as well if you have any technical questions. But that's, that's basically the only issue. We're not here to relitigate the site plan that's already been approved. It's just to determine whether or not this plan should be extended an additional two years. And the applicant is here as well, who I believe would like to speak. <clears throat> okay. Um, any questions? And if you have any ex parte communications regarding this, that would be great to uh, disclose at this time. Okay. I will go ahead and start us off on ex parte. Um, I, the only items I've received have, I think, gone to the rest of the commission via email. I haven't received any phone calls, I don't believe. Same. The only, only communications I've received are the emails that have gone to the entire commission. Uh, same here. Same for me. Same. Okay. Um, since there are no questions, I'll go ahead and get us to the um, public comment portion. Um, and, all right. Anybody want us to go ahead and start us off? Thank you, Mayor and members of the commission. Greg Musil uh, with the Rouse Fretz Law Firm on behalf of the landowner, Iowa Street Partners, and the uh, developer Fountain Residential. Um, we're here tonight simply to request, uh, as we are allowed under your code, for a two-year extension of the site plan approval, which otherwise would automatically expire. Um, the good cause shown is on a couple grounds, but I think the number one ground is that you have been sued. The city was sued over the approval that it had, and that litigation is still pending and will continue into 2024. Um, we, have, we are aligned with the city in that litigation. We believe that the city's jurisdiction, authority, and decision was reasonable, but we will not have a decision. We did not have a decision by the end of the two years. So we're requesting that we have the opportunity for all parties to have the due process that they are entitled to uh, play out so that the judge and the courts can decide whether or not the city's jurisdiction as exercised in 2021 was, was appropriate. In addition, if you want to look for other cause, let's suggest there's been a pandemic and supply chain issues and inflation issues and labor issues, which make it very difficult to go forward with a project uh, that's both under litigation and in, this, in the circumstances of the construction industry over the last two years. Um, we believe that is good cause. Your staff believes that's good cause. Um, and I don't know what communications you received that were ex parte. I don't know if anybody will speak against a simple extension, but if they do, Mayor, I'd reserve the right if I could respond to any comments that are made um, with respect uh, to the extension. That's all I have. I'm happy to answer questions. Yeah, I, I think the commission will pose any questions that we have. I'll be, thank you for making yourself thank available. You. You yep. <clears throat> Good evening, commissioners. My name is Rick Hurd. I'm an attorney with the Pete Fish Law Firm here in Lawrence. Um, and I represent the First Presbyterian Church of Lawrence, which is located directly across the street from what we call the Fountain Property. The Fountain Property is at 23rd and Crestline. It's a nine-acre parcel. The uh, proposal, the site plan, 
is to construct 56 duplexes and six detached dwellings on nine acres at that location. The owner was turned down for a rezoning for multifamily housing in 2018. This, in our opinion, was a very clever but incorrect application of the code to try and squeeze duplexes into RSO zoning. That's what the litigation is over. I was really surprised to hear counsel argue that this litigation constitutes a good cause for an extension. On two occasions, one very early, um, probably in December of 2021, two years ago, I requested an injunction from the district court to prevent Fountain from pulling a building permit and proceeding with its project. Fountain resisted that and the court denied my request for an injunction. So Fountain was free to pull its building permit at any time. The case was decided adversely to me. It went to the Court of Appeals and it came back on remand. At that point, I asked again for the district court to issue an injunction to prevent them from proceeding. Fountain responded by resisting the application and argued vehemently that they should be allowed to proceed with their project. Now they're standing before you saying it's good cause, that this litigation is good cause for an extension. This is an absolute red herring. For two years, they have been free to pull the building permit at any time. For two years, they could have done this, and they didn't. And it was their choice. There was no court order preventing them. The existence of the litigation itself was not a, an impediment to them pulling the building permit. It was their right to do so at any time. So I don't think the litigation is good cause. There are some good reasons for you to not allow the extension. First and foremost, if you'll think about it, this was a project that was approved on a less than majority vote by the Planning Commission. City Commission had approved Fine. it three to two. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Any um, other public comments in the room on this? Good evening, Mayor and City Commissioners. My name is Jane Eldridge, and I'm just here representing myself. I do want to point a couple of things out to you in addition to what Mr. Hurd has already uh, indicated. When this was first, the site plan was first approved, it was in August of 2021. There was only one condition on that site plan approval, and that condition was that the property owner and the contract purchaser needed to record the minor subdivision MS-200409 with the Douglas County Register of Deeds. As of yesterday, that had not been done. The one condition. 
since the time of the approval, or let me say at the time of the approval, I think perhaps we all forgot about that 19, 2018 um, decision by the Planning Commission. That was a unanimous decision that our comprehensive plan should not be amended to allow multifamily on this site. You'll notice that the zoning code on this site is RSO. It is a single family district. It is a transitional district, one between commercial and single family neighborhood. In this case, we have one and two story height buildings all around the site. These are residential neighborhoods. The site imposes or proposes three-story buildings. That is not a traditional or a transitional use. We are also noticing that RSO is the only single family district that permits the use of duplexes. That is another indication that it is a transitional zone, and this should be developed as it is zoned, and as we already have a policy that multifamily is really wrong for this area. The fact that we have little cottages is just as if we took an apartment house, threw it on the ground, and had little dwellings instead of having it all together. Because in this case, we have one owner who owns all the property, one owner on a single lot, and a single lot is defined as one that has a single owner and control. People who live in these places have no opportunity to purchase them. The developer is one of the outstanding developers of high income. Time. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Any other public comment in the room before we go to Zoom? Good evening, my name is Jim Rumsey. I'm an elder at First Presbyterian Church. I'm here speaking on behalf of the Board of Elders. In the litigation and documents filed by the developer, the reasons they gave to oppose the injunction that we asked for the court was that the project had been under contract since March of 2020. In addition, they indicated there would be significant losses if the project were delayed. They also claimed that they had to have an opening schedule that matched the leasing pattern in the area, that is, beginning in August. And if they were delayed to, say, October or September, they'd lose quite a bit of money. They also indicated that they needed stabilized vacancy in order to secure financing at a more favorable rate. And that they would lose tens of thousands of dollars for delays of just a few months, and it's been two years. All of these arguments were specious, and the fact of the matter is they did nothing. The gateway project that exists immediately north of this was not something that was taken into consideration when they did their site plan. 
that has an impact on stormwater, traffic, and everything else. Their site plan may not be adequate to take that into consideration. And if someone gets up and says, oh, we've modified things, then their site plan has been modified and it shouldn't be extended. The litigation is going on. You suggested that it needs to be continued to November the 9th. Their lawyer just asked to do it for, uh, for two years. And so he recognizes that that means they need that much time. But why should you assist them? You have a new development code that's likely to be enforced then, and it's going to need to have that site plan probably modified. So for all of those reasons, and the most important reason, if you deny the extension, litigation goes bye-bye. So I think you ought to deny the extension and make them submit their site plan under the new rules. My name is Kenneth Prost, and I'm representing Lawrence Child Development Center, and, the, and my neighbor, I live in Candletree as well. Um, this site plan has been under a lot of opposition since the, since the day that it was first introduced to us. The fountain really didn't do anything to communicate with the communities very much, except for one meeting, which did not go all that great. Um, as Mr. Hurd said, they have had ample opportunity to apply for their building permits and they chose not to. I think their negligence in doing that is not an extenuating circumstance. They chose, they deliberately chose not to pull the building permits. That's their fault. That's not a good reason to allow an extension. Um, the other reason is, is because of so much opposition, I think it would be very prudent to send this back to the planning department. Uh, double check that everything is within codes. Make sure that everything is correct. Uh, if, if, they are, if planning and fountain are so certain that this is all appropriate, then it should not be an issue for them to get a, a brand new approval. Um, it, it's just a prudent thing for the, the city to do. A, also gets rid of the current litigation that the city is facing to save money for for everyone. Um, as early, people commented earlier about the taxes, property taxes, the homeless problem, that's, an, that's another issue. This is going to be luxury student, luxury student housing. That's not what this town needs. This town needs affordable housing. That can help with some of the homeless issue. That can help with the tax issues, the costs of, of housing. There's a massive housing problem all throughout this, this country. And I think rejecting this plan as it currently sits, sending it back to the planning department to get double checked and reapproved would be the best option that this council has. You represent the people of Lawrence. The people of Lawrence have spoken many times about this plan. And I think it is your duty to listen to us. Out of all the letters that were sent in for the commission, 30 were in opposition to this. One wasn't, was uh, for it. Only one letter to extend. 
30 to reject it. Listen to your constituents, please. Thank you. Good evening, Mayor Littlejohn, Commissioners. I appreciate you taking the time tonight to hear our concerns. Um, my name is Travis Herod. I'm a longtime resident of the Springwood Heights neighborhood. Um, you have the Lawrence Child Development Center here tonight. You have the First Presbyterian Church. You have Springwood Heights neighborhood neighbors here. You have neighbors from Hills West here. I would just let you all know that we have been opposing the building of apartments at 2300 Crestline since it first came on our radar in October of 2017. Um, this is our third, basically our third trip back here. And in all that time, I've never had a neighbor or a surrounding property owner ever come to me and say that building apartments on that parcel of land was appropriate, was desirable, was strengthening to our neighborhood. What we have said, and we said it in when we were here in 2018 before the Planning Commission, then we said it again in 2021 in October when we were here with the uh, current developer, as we said, we welcome new neighbors. If someone would just develop that nine acres, as it as it's actually been as it was actually conceived of in the land development code as duplexes triplexes light office you wouldn't hear a peep out of our neighborhood we talk about nine acres of land in central lawrence walkable to everything on the bus route to that which you can't get to we'd have new neighbors in our neighborhood we'd have new faces at schwegler elementary we would welcome that and it would be absolutely appropriate to its current RSO zoning district, and it would not require an unprecedented and novel interpretation of our land development code that we've, we've never seen before. There's no other duplex in the city of Lawrence that looks like these duplexes. So I would just say, you know, maybe Maybe you get taken to court on this if you don't grant the extension. Well, the city's already in court on this. And so from where my neighbors sit, looking at you, our, our city commission, is if we're going to go to court, would we rather defend, would we rather be on the side of defending the property owners, his quest to build high-density apartment complexes in this RSO district, or would we rather be on the side of defending the city's right to build duplexes, triplexes, and other affordable type entry-level housing on this site? So I appreciate your listening to our concerns tonight, and I thank you. Hello, my name is Teresa Prost. I'm the owner of the Lawrence Child Development Center. And I'm here for three facts. One is the, the planner commissioners, the, the planner director and manager, when they did this plan, they took away an easement that is at the corner, at the uh, east corner of the center. They took it without saying nothing to us. We approached Ms. Pepper and she said that the city, the city commissioners can take that anytime they want to. 
So we have to find a lawyer to defend us for a right, for a property rights. So finally he went and straight that thing out. The second one is, and it wasn't not too long ago, the gentleman here said that there was a water line in the west side of the center. The other time we had the commissioners approve the, the plan, one of the commissioners says that they wanted a buffer between the, the, the proposed site and the daycare center. With those buffers includes trees. But now very convenient, Ms. Pepper and Mr. Creek, I guess they told him there is a, a, a water line behind us. Without even taking in consideration that we all have a plan of the water lines. And everybody can see it, and if they would have took their time, they would have seen that there is no any water line there. But for their convenience, it's better that there is a water line, that way they don't need to put any trees. Well, that's wrong, because this is what I come here to talk, because they're not acting in good faith. But what it bothers me the most is the two staff people of this city that is working for an outsider company, rather than working for us, for our community. So, and the third point that I wanna say is, these people don't come with good faith. They try to bribe us, saying that they were gonna make the things really nice for us if we convinced the church of dropping the litigation. And we told them, no. We will stand with the church because this plan is not right. So here is what I beg you. Please take a look, don't give them the extension. Take a look at the plan and also, I think Ms. Pepper and Mr. Greek should be fired. Okay, is there any uh, further public comment here? Uh, well, you, you can, well, I mean, do you guys, I think eventually, is anybody on yeah, Zoom? Yeah, let's, let's go to Zoom first. Okay. Um, all right, uh, Sherry, is there anybody Florence on Zoom? accountability. Thank you, Sherry. Um, so just listening to this, I recognize this as a project that's very near to my home. And I seem to remember when the property owner took this over, one of the first things they did was just go in there and tear out all the trees, just made that blank land as if to say, we're coming, there's nothing you're gonna do about it. And then here tonight, listening to the uh, uh, daycare owner talk about being, uh, it sounded to me like she was offered a bribe to try to get the church to go along with the program. Um, and then I go and I look up Fountain Residential Partners. Um, I think I may have my screen reversed, but the, the website is fountainresidential.com. And it specializes in collegiate housing. I'm just going to go down through here to put all this on the record so that we make sure that our citizens all know how you're voting tonight. They are leading developers of housing in college and university markets, experienced professionals, investor relations. This is a money-making thing that they're doing. They got investors that they're trying to please. They've got a bunch of featured projects down here that are just huge. 
Now, what somebody said earlier about affordable housing and some transitional neighborhoods and things like that, you have a call to get those things done and you have a reason to get those things done as shown on your budget amendment coming up that we'll still talk about later. You're spending a lot of money to fix a problem that this city has. While you're in litigation with a company that wants to sue you, you could stop that litigation and entertain a different form of litigation just tonight by not approving the extension. And if they can't get it done within the extended time, there's, there, there's no reason to get an extension. And to, to have the opportunity to shut down litigation right now when you guys are being sued from just about every direction there is, I can't see a reason why you wouldn't take it. But are you guys gonna play off to the money people like this, this, this website, fountainpartners.com. Everybody go look it up and make sure to let your commissioners know how you feel about them supporting this over your local neighbors and your schools. And because Schwegler's gonna get more students, right? Not from a college dorm. How about the daycare center? Would they maybe have a couple more people to help daycare? Those are neighborhood contributors. College dorms aren't neighborhood contributors. That's all I got to say. Are there any other comments on Zoom? That's it, Mayor. Okay. Mr. Musial. This is on your agenda, on the quasi-judicial part of your consent agenda, because it requires you to act in a way that's reasonable, not arbitrary and capricious, on the extension. What we have heard so far is a desire to relitigate what happened in October and November of 2021. And what we've heard is allegations about what RSO doesn't, doesn't allow. That's not in front of you tonight, but if you've read your code, you know that RSO allows duplexes. You know that your city staff supported this application. You know that your city staff found that it met all of your standards. You know that we've not only been dragged into court, we didn't sue the city, the church sued the city. We have defended the city. The reason we're in litigation is not because of Fountain Residential. We were dragged before your Board of Zoning Appeals on a challenge there earlier this year. So we have been fighting the fight to try to determine what the due process rights are. What does your code mean? Some people here tonight would not like to know what your code means. They don't want the court to rule because they know what the outcome's gonna be. If you deny the extension tonight, you have denied it based on unreasonable grounds because this is a routine extension allowed under your code. Mired in litigation for two years and for at least another year, not because we sued, but because we won at the district court level with the city. The city opposed the injunction just like we did. We didn't appeal it to the Court of Appeals, the church did. And finally, as a policy matter, if you allow projects to be killed because they are in litigation and nobody wants to take the risk of closing on a deal, because it's in litigation, you will encourage litigation against the city on any project where anybody disapproves of it. I don't think that's what. Does he know what quasi-judicial means? Sherry, can you go ahead and shut it down? <laughs> shut that down. So, with that, I'd urge you to allow the extension, allow the court proceedings to uh, play out, as I said in my letter, and then you will know what RSO zoning will know. All of the neighbors will know, and we'll know whether this project goes forward or not. Thank you very much for your time. Okay. 
bring it back to us for a discussion. Just a question for Randy. And I assume Jim is right. If, if everyone's right, if we um, did not extend this, the litigation would be moot. If you did not extend it, the litigation would be moot. Yes, the site plan would be ex would be deemed expired by the city code. I have a question for Jane Eldridge. She spoke about a deadline that they missed. She thought, Jane. I apologize. I do not have my hearing aids in. So would you? <laughs> yeah, you had spoke about a deadline you thought they missed or they weren't timely. No. There was one condition on the approval of the site plan. And that one condition was a, a document that needed to be filed at the Register of Deeds office. And that, I believe, was essentially a revised plat to plat the two lots that exist now into one lot. And that isn't a very complicated thing to do, I don't believe. But as of yesterday, it had not been done. I checked at, at the Register of Deeds office. Okay, thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. So, Randy, would that impact what is before us tonight? Basically, that would impact whether or not they could get the building permit. That would have to be done, or the site plan would be null and void because they would not have complied with the condition, but they could comply with the condition tomorrow or right before they, they pulled the site plan. I, it's my understanding that they didn't do that yet because they're waiting to determine what happens in litigation because they don't want to plat it and then have perhaps perhaps lose the litigation and they have one big lot there they want to leave it as is until they have that they know they have the right to go forward and then pull the building permit so at this point in time it's it's still out there and could be done but before they could get a building permit they definitely do have to file a, a plat okay, thank you thanks mayor can i ask a question sure. so what would how could they reverse if they were to file what was required and ahead of time and if they wanted to reverse the plat was is that is there a way to do so in other words uh, reverse what may or should have been done according to some of the rules originally placed on the plat when it was issued if they replatted it to one lot could it be replatted later yes it's just a lot more expense to have to go through all that again twice so yes mm -hmm. that yeah but it could be done it could be platted and replatted and replatted and replatted sure. yes so you were told though that they had not done so because they were uncertain whether or not the litigation would turn in their favor that was my understanding and, and perhaps the applicant can explain that better than i can but that's what i was told at some point okay yes i'd like an exp explanation if i could thank you Greg Musil again, there's obviously an owner of this property and the developer who's going to buy it from them. Mm -hmm. When you get mired in litigation, those transactions get deferred mm -hmm. while you're figuring out what the court is going to do with your case. We won at the district court level. The set court of appeals sent it back. We're now in the final processes of the district court litigation. No prudent developer is going to purchase land not knowing whether or not they're going to be able to develop it according to the plan. Sure. And you don't do the plat, you don't incur all those expenses as you go along when somebody is suing the city and in effect suing your project. Mm -hmm. 
I was just curious when, well, uh, according to Jane, it was something that was re required once it was initially approved. And so because you're not the owner of record, is that one reason why you wouldn't have done so in advance? No, we, we are cooperating with the owner of record, but that is a condition that says if you want to do your site plan, you must file your plat. Mm -hmm. It's not a, and the only timeline on that is the two-year site plan application that's in your code, which is also allows a two-year extension. Okay. All right, thank you. So I have another question for Randy, if that's okay. So my understanding from reading the, the letter that they sent in is that the code does not require any statement as to or an explanation as to why they want the, the extension. The, the city code requires that they show good cause. Okay. That, I, that was a mistake in my letter. Okay. The code clearly requires that, and that's why we spoke to that earlier, Commissioner. Thank you. Yeah. Yep. Mayor, can I ask another question Absolutely. of the city manager, please? Um, when's the last time we had any public discussion about this? Was this, Were the commissioners a part of all of this discussion? The 3-2 vote that they referenced, I can't remember, were all of the commissioners on at that no. point in time? Do you recall? No. No. Okay. No. I was the only one, I think, that's here that was on that. Okay. I was. You were? I was. Okay. Okay, so, so there are some here before. And then when's the last time they, we talked about this publicly? And it sounds like we're only talking because of the required extension. Is there any other previous discussions in the last year or so about this issue that's come before the commission that you're aware of? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. All right. I have a quick question. It's very simple. Deadline was November 9th. The filing for the extension was November 6th. Why so close to the deadline? We were waiting on various aspects of the litigation, and we knew when the, the deadline expired, and we filed it three days early. We knew we were going to need it before that. Um, we could have filed it earlier than that. That this is not going to be completed, and this litigation is unlikely to be completed in 2024, even uh, given the delays in it. So, I'm sorry, Mr. Kurt is ill. Could I get up and respond to what was just said by counsel? Um, won't take very long, I promise you. Public comment? Oh, sure. The idea that they didn't file for the request until the 6th of November is silly because they've had two years to do it. There's nothing in the litigation that was magic about them having to wait until the 9th of November. That's simply not accurate. All right. Discussion I guess I'll Start. I mean, I, okay. my, my thought is, I mean, this is in litigation, you know, the, the city um, who was sued, um, you know, was successful at the district court level. The, the Court of Appeals has, has reversed that, um, but, you know, we were successful, and, and they reversed it only for more information. We don't know the final outcome. 
you know, obviously it's in litigation. It could go either way, but you know, I think we extend it and let the litigation play itself out. That's what it's for. I would probably lean that way as well. Um, Well, I was one of the, um, excuse me, can I? No, go ahead. I was one of the commissioners that did vote no for this originally on the 3-2 part of it. And my reasoning for doing it at that time was I disagree with how staff was interpreting RSO at the point. Um, this is a, a little different in that, you know, I agree this is separate in a way that that our focus here is just on the extension only, not whether we agree with the pro the project or not so that makes it difficult for me but um, technically um, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna need to go ahead and vote yes for this because it is totally separate from the project itself and what we're voting on is an extension and not the project because that is a whole separate issue so yeah and um, I, I appreciate that. I've taken in a lot of the information people brought forth tonight, and I saw there's a lot of um, uh, neighbors and people who are um, very concerned about this new and unusual style of dense housing. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I'm going to be an advocate of this new and dense style of housing because it's working all over the country. And whether or not this is for students or for the average person in the community, I think the lack of housing is having an impact on our regular neighborhoods as well. So I, I don't really know much about the applicants because I wasn't a part of it. I don't know much about the complaint to the design, but I want to make sure everyone's clear that I am in favor of, of a new and new and, and dense developments that bring uh, neighborhoods uh, together. But the fact this is all for one type of housing, you know, that's, that's something that I really can't speak to tonight because it's really not the issue. But I want to make sure you all understand that, um, you know, we really need to get to developing this land um, in the most suitable fashion for the neighborhoods and for the citizens of Lawrence and I want to um, try to move that forward and, and not stop in its track so I would be in favor of moving forward with approving the extension okay um, did you oh no I was just gonna say real quick I I mean I, I don't think anyone has as far as the Commission we're, I think we're going to we're have an interesting year ahead of us as we talk about density, infill, housing, housing affordability. Um, I think we all have different interpretations and understanding the policy. And I think with this and, and what this particular, um, with this particular um, site plan before us, um, maybe put a little bit of the cart before the horse as it related to revisions of the, the development code and what we talk about innovations in density and what that looks like and what we hope that that speaks to as it relates to our community and, and, and housing. So again, that's not what's being discussed tonight. I'm not going to get into that. That's a whole other policy conversation that we'll probably have next week, um, according to our agenda. Um, as it relates to the conversation of the extension, um, and I do appreciate uh, Commissioner Larson stating, you know, her original stance as it related to the project, and how this is not this is, extension is not related to that, but it, to a simple policy process. And so, you know, I and I hear that, and I understand there's litigation, and I think there's something to be said about why things happen when they do, in relationship to what is to come. And so there is a reason why 
there's a reason why the filing for extension didn't happen until three days before the deadline. I can't hypothesize why. I'm not going to, because it's not for me too. That's between the applicant and city staff and planning staff, with planning staff. So I'm not even gonna attempt to even try to assess or suss out why I think it was done that way. But the extension was filed at the time that it was filed for a reason. And for that, a vote will be held tonight on whether or not the applicant deserves that extension. I also appreciate uh, Commissioner Larson's uh, explanation and that we are voting on the extension itself today. So, um, and uh, all other information will come afterwards and uh, for that I would approve. I would call for a motion at this time since it looks like we're done with discussion. I move to approve the an extension an extension request of the site plan SP 20-00408 post section 20-1305-0 of the land development code for 24 months and saying the new expiration date at November 9th, 2025, located at 2300 Crestline Drive. Second. Okay, I'm a first and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Nay. One nay. So. It uh, passes four to one. Okay, that moves us on to our next item, uh, D8A. I believe Commissioner clear. Sellers uh, brought forth this I'd let them clear Well, out. oh, actually, clear let's out. go ahead and wait and let everybody go ahead and exit a little bit. Um, <clears throat> um, I don't know much about this one. I didn't wasn't paying attention you know, initially, you know, but reading all the, looking at it now, it's pretty clear what they're trying to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Under the new code. Yeah. All right. Give everybody opportunity to. Okay. Bring us back to D8A. Thank you, Mayor. Um, just one particular piece of this. Um, overall, um, I do believe I accept this being put presented on the consent agenda just with one particular um, caveat. I uh, wanted to ask that under the funding agreement for the um, chamber and EDC, specifically the revolving loan fund and the amount of $105,000 that we just hold off on, the, uh, on that. Um, I do have, we've had some conversations with um, NLC, there's some programs that have come through, some opportunities that I believe that what the funding for the revolving loan fund can do that may present some better opportunities for us to utilize and subsidize some dollars for that. Um, as it relates in the agreement, first half of funding is not to be dispersed until March, four, March 1st. I know on the agenda that we have um, PES coming back in front of us in February 6th. And so hopefully I um, wanted to get with Sam and with, with Britt and Sam 
to see what the strategic plan update was going to be for the six, see if we can get um, staff to come in, have more of a robust conversation about some of the things going on with um, entrepreneurship, loan funding opportunities, um, and get a better understanding of that particular program, how some of um, the, just the process of how it's been going, speak to some of the individuals that are on the finance committee team, just to get a better understanding. I know this past year um, I missed the um, EDC update, but I did notice that there was one grant award that was funded, successful for that. Um, but I understand that there are several funding mechanisms to this. I want to be able to understand a little bit more, better have better understanding of that, understanding of the applicants, of the process, the criteria, um, more about the banking institutions that are a part of it. There's just some aspects of it that I know we've invested in this, and I think and I stay committed um, as a commissioner to investing in this. But there's also some other opportunities that have come up that I would like to see if there's some there's a, a way that we can leverage some of those dollars, um, knowing that there's other dollars in play uh, with the revolving loan fund. So not denying the um, agreement as a whole, just wanting us to hold off on awarding the 105,000 until we can hear back from um, Prosperity and Economic Security team, and then we can make a decision. That, and then that still falls within um, reasons uh, based in the agreement as well as for disbursement. So what are the opportunities? You said some opportunities that come up? Yeah, so um, in, in, in attending NLC, there was a wonderful conversation about um, building in other partners and systems um, to create more access to dollars. Um, this is one way of BIPOC communities getting access to dollars. Um, it shouldn't be the only way that they get it. Um, so just getting a better understanding of how do other how are BIPOC, and I hate to say BIPOC because it just dismisses the fact, are black and indigenous in, um, in AAPI, and I know it gets along, but all of our non-white residents who are seeking to create businesses, and as they navigate the financial aspects of an entrepreneurial landscape, not an ecosystem, a landscape, what does that look like? We know that there's other options available to us and how does, and it doesn't necessarily have to be within the chamber, it could be a support of the chamber, it could be a partnership with the chamber, it could be just another program and utilizing it differently with other banking institutions. So, um, wealth of information out there as far as uh, what came out uh, from several of the workshops and sessions that I was able to attend uh, based on some of the CIE work that we're doing, that we've been charged with doing, um, that we took on this year. I think there's a lot in, as it relates to access to capital and BIPOC communities should have additional access to that we're not necessarily giving it or we're being very short-sighted or we could be short-sighted i don't want to say we are <laughs> but it could be seen that we are creating we are predestining a particular pathway <coughs> for bipoc businesses to go through in a sense that may be a sense of gatekeeping and i don't i want to make sure that we're not doing that that we're not telling bipoc individuals in our community that if you want to be bankable, if you want to have access to funding, you have to go this way, and this is the only way available for you as it relates to having additional access to, um, to capital for, your, for success. 
So is the possibility of having that amount of dollars, 105 or whatever it was, to be utilized by some other organization or in? I don't know. Yep. It could be, or it could be another way to create some intentional partnerships with okay. other entities with the chamber. Um, you know, there's conversations that we have to have around business relationships with our with 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 our BIPOC community as it relates to chamber relationships as it relates to relationships with financial institutions that just don't exist and you see this it's very um, hyperbole and more densely populated um, BIPOC communities you don't see it as much here because it's a little bit whitewashed because um, we're a predominantly white community that doesn't mean that we shouldn't have those same accesses to resources <laughs> that other municipalities and townships have that should be provided to those here in our community to do that okay so it's, it's a bigger conversation around what are the other how are we creating multiple tentacles to access the capital other than just one particular one that is managed and this is the way it has to be done. Got it. So. Thank you. And, I, I, and you know, this is, again, this is for us to have the conversation. You all might come back and say, Commissioner Sellers, you're a fool, give them the money. <laughs> you may come back and say, let's try something a little bit different, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of funding out there. I know yeah. there's partnerships with, you know, we have Network Kansas that provides um, funding in this, so you know, I'm not saying we're taking something away. It's could we possibly? Is there something else out there? And if so, could we reimagine reinvesting part of that money into doing that? So you, you'd be okay with approving the agreement with the EDC and SBDC, but just pulling out the yes. one of five, right? Just holding out for Sam it. or Sam Andrew. I assume that's fine. Yeah, I think we could structure a motion to reflect that. Do we need to um, have a time frame to make adjustments, maybe so that there's not some last minute application, for example, in the last issue, um, right. where, where we have you know, a deadline, maybe by the end of February, we've got this figured out because they have to make application by March and then yeah. awarding sometime in April. So we want to coordinate conversations with the parties that you might feel interested in. Yeah, well, Pete, yeah, the outcome team is scheduled to present on the 6th, so. Okay. February. I'd like for, yeah, yeah. the 6th of February, so. As long as we know it's not hanging there. Uh, no, I would never a, do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not how I roll. Okay. <laughs> I would like to ask the chamber when they get up and speak as to how have they um, dispersed this money historically, if, what, so if they've done any partnerships at all or. Oh, it, well, yeah. You got more to say? No, 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 no. I was going to say it was in the update, but. Yeah, I saw, I saw some of it, but. Thank you for the opportunity, and Commissioner Sellers, we appreciate the, um, you bringing up this this um, program that we've been working on for a couple of years. My name is Bonnie Lowe. I'm the President and CEO of the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce, and Joshua Fallleaf is also with here, and he spent a lot of time with this program. Joshua spent the last year of his employment with KU with the processes in developing this program. Prior to that, Ryan Raines did much of the same. So working with partners and developing this project and this program has been going on for quite some time. There's been one loan that has been granted, um, as Commissioner Sellers noted. There is another loan that will be presented to the review board in the next few weeks. We're waiting on the application 
from the um, entrepreneur requesting the funds, and there are three others that are in the pipeline that have expressed um, interest in the program. As far as involving other banking institutions, I'm not quite sure what that looks like. We sent an RFP to all of the banks and credit unions in town. Truity was awarded um, holding the funds. They don't charge a dime. We haven't charged a dime. There are no costs associated with the program. 100% of the money that we receive for diversified Douglas County is and will be going out to the entrepreneurs. I, I don't know how much more we can do in this space. Commissioner Sellers, certainly happy to have this conversation. We submitted what we thought was a pretty robust and detailed um, request back in March. And here it is in December, and some of these items are coming up. So I'm a little bit frustrated that I'm standing here tonight and having this conversation, to be perfectly honest with you. Holding up the funds only hurts the entrepreneurs. Our partners are vast and very detailed, and we appreciate those partners, partnerships. I'm happy to entertain any specific questions. And Joshua, do you have anything to add on behalf of the chamber? Thank you very much. My name is Joshua Folley. I'm um, Director of Economic Development at the Lawrence Chamber. Um, I'm, I'm really excited about this program. I'm excited where it's going. I'm excited about the marketing plan that we have uh, rolling out uh, beginning in January. And a lot of that does, in the spirit of the diversified Douglas County, does include partnering with organizations that represent uh, I, I agree with the sentiment the, about BIPOC and, and using that term, but indigenous, black, Hispanic organizations and partnerships to help enhance our, the accessibility to it. Uh, that's always been the, the spirit of the program. The Financial Review Board reflects that, um, and we will be and continue to do more um, in that vein. The, the, the landscape has changed. You mentioned the predetermined pathway it was the only pathway at the time. Now, there are other possibilities, other options, and a lot of really, really exciting things going on in entrepreneurship in this community. We're excited to be a part of it. We're excited to make sure capital gets um, in the hands of those entrepreneurs who need it, who have great ideas and can help make this community a stronger, better, uh, more vibrant place. So, thank you. Um, Joshua, I have a question for you. So, um, speaking to you know what Commissioner Sellers said, and uh, you know the potential for programs with NLC and NLCCIE program, um, would you be would it be feasible for you to for us to go ahead and you know you know proffer those ideas midstream if we if we were to approve it you know now and uh, to you know incorporate those ideas for 2024 if if you know should we have them. I, I think that discussion is, is, is certainly possible. Um, there are certain things I think we, we could provide additional information, for instance, with our partnership and our, um, uh, for the loan servicing uh, with Truity. Some of those are, you know, have been determined. Okay. But like, like we said, the landscape has changed. Um, just in the past couple of weeks, we've seen uh, an, some exciting opportunities Haskell, happening at Haskell Indian Nations University. Um, and, a, and an extraordinary SBA award, what would that look like going forward? <clears throat> How can they be a part and play a role and um, help support some native entrepreneurs here in the Lawrence community? 
um, Black 30 is new this year, how can that be a part of, of what's going on here? And then there's more, then there's additional. Um, and as those continue to grow, we continue to find ways of where you can't, are unable to provide X, we can, and where we can't provide Y, you can. Um, and so those partnerships and those conversations, we're, we're happy to explore other opportunities. Right now, we're expanding our financial review board um, to make sure we're being more inclusive for those who maybe can't come into play, who maybe have a conflict of interest or have a scheduling conflict. We'd love to have uh, more folks, more people at the table to be a part of this exciting program. Okay. Yeah. I just I want to add one more thing. Excuse me. Thank you, Joshua. Um, Commissioner Sell Sellers mentioned e-community. E loan is through Network Kansas, and that's gap financing. This is a grant, a loan that is repaid by the entrepreneur. So where Network Kansas can be involved in both spaces, they are completely different programs for completely different purposes. Network Kansas does offer an Empower grant, am I correct? And when the we're looking at matching funds and making this these uh, funding opportunity, we're hoping to build it up to half million dollars with support, thank you, from the city, also from the county. And Network Kansas has an Empower grant for $100,000 thousand dollars that we're hoping to use those funds as well different different types of loan programs and there are even three or four others which gets it even muddier and more confusing but they're they're different purposes yeah and uh, oh I'm, so, I'm sorry go ahead um, just uh, to refresh my memory I believe you said that the your application or your request for this was made in March of this previous year or this year with the normal funding yeah. process for 2024 funding okay. yes and when we think about February we're gonna be asking for 2025 funding in February okay. so it just it but but we'll be back because we believe in the program so yes with a with a normal funding project that's what our program that's what I was referring to mayor okay and we will have that uh, presentation by our uh, economic development team in February as well so that okay no, what I was just going to say, I, I know according to the disbursement of funds, this first 50% of the funds is not to be dispersed until March 1st. So I'm, I'm asking the commission to let us have a presentation by February, you know, in February, and then we can make a decision to ensure if that's what the funds are going to move forward for, then we can do that. What, I'm, what I want to share is that, yes, there was a request put in in March. However, things that we're talking about as it relates to um, funding opportunities and new programming opportunities just recently happened. So yes, timing is not, you know, the timing wasn't impeccable, but this is a way that if there's a way for us to better understand how funds are being leveraged to address something that's within our strategic plan, um, which I took into account, I'm asking the commission to allow us to go ahead and move forward with this, minus the 105, have the PES outcome team come in, help us understand and navigate what are all these great programs and um, projects that we have going on that could potentially elevate, subsidize, supplement what we're seeing our other partners do as it relates to entrepreneurship, small business development, major business development, which Mayor, you did state in your speech that you're something that you're very passionate about. I think this is something, this gives us an opportunity, a couple of weeks, 
to get a better understanding of what that looks like. How are we mapping that out? And if it pleases the commission to move forward and give the 105,000 to the to the chamber EDC, then we continue to do that. But we're still doing it within the parameters of the first disbursement, which is March 1st. So we're not holding money. I'm essentially we're pausing it for now, which could be amended and added in at a later time. But I'm asking the pause because maybe there's something that we see in that presentation that we're like, hmm, maybe we want to siphon a few dollars off to invest in this project and maybe not give the full 105. Okay. I think it. I think that's reasonable. That's a reasonable ask within the time, which I'm staying within the time frame and giving our PES team an opportunity to present to us things that, that have come in front of this, um, opportunities that we have signed on to support and to support our community on as it relates to our strategic plan and economic development that maybe some of our commissioners are not fully aware of. Sorry, I, I just wanted to make a, a, a side note too, just so that we're clear. This $105,000 goes directly to entrepreneurs to start their businesses. All programming, all marketing, all other aspects of diversified Douglas County is something that the chamber incurs itself. The programming, the marketing, the, the printing, the design, the, the all, uh, and all of the things that go on with regard to programmatic sort of activities, we do ourselves. This 105, the 105 we're asking for you is completely and entirely to give to entrepreneurs. So that's what taking any from 105 is doing. It's providing, it's taking less, or it's taking money from entrepreneurs. It doesn't go to fill our, to satisfy any of our programmatic or marketing activities at all. So that's what that 105 is. And uh, fresh in my memory as well, you've uh, allocated funds to one, mm -hmm. um, you have, one applied and three potentially applying is that we have we have up to about four conversations happening at different paces right um we've put together an in process with our partners at the small business development center as a, that's one of the first stops you know to they know the program they're familiar with the program and they've got a lot of technical expertise that um, that is beneficial and to build that relationship from the start and to know five years down the road when your business is ready to expand and grow right here in Lawrence, the SBDC is still going to be there for you. So there, sometimes that takes a little more time. Uh, sometimes it's a, a quick stop as in the case with the, the person, um, the applicant that I'll be meeting with this week to get the application submitted. Okay. Thank you. Mayor, can I ask a question or two? Um, so, I'm Commissioner Salas, I'm trying to understand um, the intention of the extension so I can whether decide to agree or disagree with it. Um, number one, your, part of your intention is to potentially reallocate this 105 outside of the chamber's loan program? On I never said I wanted to reallocate. No, I just want to know there's a potential for other uses. I want to make sure what, I understood what you meant by that. Yeah, I, you know, it could be a different type of programming. It could supplement some of the CIE work that we're, that we've uh, uh, 
we've um, made a commitment to do um, through NLC mm-hmm. um, that really al- that aligns with a lot of what we're seeing with the revolving loan funds. That it could we could move some of that money that way. We can reallocate it to that capacity. Maybe not. Um, but I think it's a, it's a worthy discussion for us to have as commissioners, since these are things that have come to us as in the recent months, that we can think about it in context of funding and related funders and how, and, and, and the different partners that we have with the fund, you know, the different partners we have that are doing funding and doing things as it relates to the strategic plan. So. The timing, like I said, the timing's not great. We come about this in the part of half of the year after budgeting items have already been discussed with different departments. So the timing's not great. Um, But at the same time, I've seen how this timing has impacted several organizations' opportunities to function in this space and be an alternative Mm -hmm. to what the chamber offers. Maybe a good one, maybe a bad one. That's for us to decide as we're the stewards of the people's funds. Got it. But I think it would be, you know, all I'm saying is just as as an opportunity, is this something where we can utilize those dollars? If not, then no, we don't have to. We move on, we vote to give the dollars and that's it. So... So, and it's still within the confines of okay. disbursement. So, but an alternative loan program similar to, but different. It could be an from, alternative loan program. It could be turning. It could be utilizing those loan, utilizing those dollars, for just elevating other programming, that is not related to to the revolving loan. Okay. And then the last part was I don't know how I feel coming in. When some of these agreements were had, this was put on the consent agenda, which I believe was already discussed and coming in. I don't know how I feel about if people were budgeting or planning. What I'd like to do is maybe have an input into how the money is committed and future. Uh, if we've only had two or three applicants, then I think we could make an impact on how those are how those monies are spent, but removing them from one entity and placing them to another when we've made a commitment to that entity up until this point. I feel uncomfortable doing that at the 11th hour, but I'm willing to understand how we can better take advantage of these new programs and how we can use other people's money and or other um, leaders who can help fund people who uh, don't have the similar circumstances that um, others do. So um, I, I guess I want to make sure I don't pull the rug out from anyone under you know, coming on my first full day. <laughs> and, and so, and so well, I really yeah. want to be honest about that. No, yeah. and I totally agree. I mean, I, I think it's a worthy discussion because the thing is that we're not always going to be met with perfect timelines for situations. Right. And we're dealing with a very... Um, specific intentional type of project that does not fit, you know, that needs, that at one point should meet the normalcy that its non-white counterparts have. We're talking about access to capital for non-white individuals in a space where they have been denied. Mm -hmm. And how we do that and what that looks like and are we deploying the best tactics? Are we utilizing the best programs? Are we utilizing the best systems to do that? That's for us to vote on based on the feedback we get from program use, program evaluation, and other individuals that we deploy either from the community or subject matter experts from outside the community. Mm -hmm. So NLC gives us that opportunity. This is us bringing that back into our community. And if something's not right, then we got to fix it. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
I do believe one of our commitments is sound fiscal stewardship. Yeah, so yeah. I want to make sure we're being sound and fiscal. Okay, very good. Well, thank you. Sorry for, I just want No, to no, it's okay. It's, uh, if I may, Mayor. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I make a suggestion is the meeting on the uh, economic team is until February 6th. Can we move that up into January, first part of January? Can I also just remind me, we haven't had public comment on this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it's, it's been questioned. Sorry about that. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. Yeah, we're just better do that. Questions. Yeah. Um, are we done with questions? Yeah. All right. Public comment. Uh, any Anybody here? All right. Uh, uh, this is Chris Flowers. I didn't really uh, prepare you know, looking at this item. But um, I like what uh, Commissioner Sellers is saying, and um, it just got me to thinking. Also, when it comes to, like, uh, uh, the 105, like, if we don't give it to the chambers, like, it doesn't necessarily mean that entrepreneurs are, are are not going to get the money. It just means they they wouldn't be getting it from the chambers potentially. So I just want to throw that out there. It doesn't, you know, if we don't choose the chamber, it doesn't mean that the, that the group's not going to get money. Um, also, um, I think it's good to not, I don't think we should be relying just on the chamber because if they're giving out loans to businesses, I just wonder if a, a business came to them with a wanting a loan, but their business could potentially increase homeless people downtown. Do you think the Chamber of Commerce would give them the loan? So I just want to throw that out there. I, Chamber of Commerce, I don't think they're necessarily always in the city's best interest. They're in their best interest and the interest of business owners. And what... What we want is, we, we want diversity in, in business owners, but we don't necessarily want the, the chamber's view of what they want uh, meddling with, like, mudding up our, like, what we want. And I, I think another, another entity potentially having a voice in this, I think it could be good for us because I do think the chambers, I think they're the ones trying to get rid of the homeless downtown. So I'd rather have some other, some other entity also giving out money to people to start businesses than just, just the one that's trying to kick people out, like the homeless out from downtown. So I, I, I support sellers' um, ideas. And I, I think it's, it is good to look at diversity. I mean, not just diversity of business owners, but diversity of who's given out the money. Thank you. Hello, everyone. Courtney Shipley. We've met. Um, I think it's uh, interesting to ask uh, what the chamber is doing with the money when it's not being used. Are they making money off the loan fund? Is it in a CD? What's happening? And then, of course, usually there's a clawback uh, for what's not used. So I'd like some answers about that. Any further public comment here in the room? All right, Sherry, any online? I would like to make public comment. Go right ahead. 
Hi, everyone. This is Taylor Overton, uh, president of Black 30. I um, have taken the diversified Douglas County loan. Personally, I'm the one. And I am also on the financial review board for this loan. So being able to be very close to it and give feedback real time um, to the chamber and on behalf of our organization as we see this loan develop has been imperative for our community. Um, I would really love to understand as we move forward, ways that we can bring in more technical assistance, not just the SBDC um, to support, you know, when I moved back to town, we had the JUMP program. Um, between myself and CORE, we will soon have Kaufman Fast Track running here in Lawrence. How are we integrating um, ongoing technical assistance and accountability for this? these business owners that are taking this loan. Um, additionally, how are we empowering them to select the best financial institution for their business? Um, so these are things that that I have, have brought to the table and I have um, looked at as I have navigated this diversified Douglas County space. Um, when looking at the additional funding, I do think it's important to look at what do we do when we run out of funds? Um, at that point, can we address additionally more funds um, once there becomes a demand? Because right now, as it stands, there isn't a strong demand. Um, but I think that we can get to a point where there might be. Right now, I'm still the only one who has taken this loan uh, to date. So these are just questions that I have had in, in supporting and advising on this loan and then also taking this loan myself for my personal business. Are there any other comments online? That's all the comments. Okay, I'll go ahead and bring us back. All right, now back to discussions. <laughs> Um, Can we have this question about the mission brought, brought up about the clawback and CD? Yes. Uh, yep. Thank you. So the funds that are held uh, that have been forwarded to us to date are at Truity. Uh, they're not charging, again, any fees to do their loan programming and servicing, and they are paying interest that will go back into future loans. So there's no fees, earning interest, line item accounting, um, and so everything that we've received is separate from our financials. Does that help? Yep. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then the clawback? Oh, oh, oh yeah, is, is there yeah, clawback feature? Uh, yes. Same. Uh, Sam Camp, Economic Development Analyst with the city. Um, so for the 2023 agreements, it was pretty standard across all of the agency fundings. There was a general clawback provision where if the city found them kind of out of step um, or out of compliance with the agreement, um, we would have the right to um, withhold or redetermine funds. Um, 
that was a very general statement in the agreement. In the 2024 agreements, for all the ones you um, that are on your agenda tonight, there are very specific intentional clawbacks where um, we're evaluating them once a quarter based on their value proposition. And at the halfway mark before they receive their second reimbursement, um, staff will make a determination and make a unilateral decision if they will receive their full second half funding. So. Thank you, Sam. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, all right. I, well, I'll just go up come first out of the shoot on this one. Um, so I'm a little bit with Vice Mayor Dever that I'm a little bit uncomfortable um, switching it up this late in the game. I mean, these are great conversations, and Taylor brought up great questions as well that we can probably discuss um, for the 2025 funding. Um, but at this time, I'm not as comfortable. Also with NLCCIE, we are in that program now. So, I mean, we haven't completed it. So we're, we're just in the midst of it. So I don't know if I feel, I would rather us go through it and then have a greater sense of it, or it, at the very least be budgeting for the next, next budget year. On, on some of these things with a, with a fuller discussion of what we want it to be. So that's where I stand on it. I guess I was, I mean, I would say a couple things. One, I, I think it's a great conversation to have. Um, I'm happy to have, have the conversation and certainly I think if I was saying this the other day when we were talking about the special alcohol tax fund. Um, you know, I don't always think it's an either or in the sense that, you know, this 105 is not the only place in which we can fund a good idea, um, you know, and fund a, something that that works. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to have the discussion. Um, but I also support this program, but I'm, you know, happy, you know, if we're going to have the discussion soon, I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not, you know, again, I think it's not an either-or situation. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering if there's a way for us to um, put some understanding or language into a clawback where if there's something that we're trying to achieve, uh, specifically involvement from entities that we want to uh, partner up with, uh, whether they could be partners with the chamber, and that's kind of what I got a part of, I would know a little bit, Bentley's communicate. I heard a little bit of that from you, so I want to make sure I understood, but since it's nebulous at this point, I feel like it's hard for me to to, to stray off this path at this point, but I want I want to be in favor and 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 completely understand that I've been talking with, with the chamber and some of the folks that have been working through some of these uh, loan programs uh, that have popped up over the last few years, uh, both in the city and in other places and so I'm very familiar with what uh, is moving forward but I don't know where the city stands in our migration into some of these implementations so I would be inclined to uh, keep the money where it was planned on going and then if we're dissatisfied with um, with the progress, we have a mechanism built in the contract uh, to call out either the lack of use of the funds or the lack of actively promoting the funds or 
Maybe we can take the other half and use it for something else. But I think we need to get rocking and rolling with getting the money in the people's hands as soon as possible. And I don't want to be that bottleneck, frankly. And so yeah. I, I, that, that's, that's how I feel about it. And so, um, so I'm an advocate for that. Um, I just I don't know if it's the timing is right for me. So um, I, I would probably vote in favor of moving forward under the current situation, but with some notes. And, and directions to staff for um, some further discussions on either the rest of this year or the 2025. We got a lot of catching up to do. Um, no, I, I mean, I think I've, I've heard everyone. I think I, the one piece I'll add to this is that what we have to understand is that we have individuals that could be partners. We have individuals that could be collaborators. We have individuals that could be cooperators in this work. And there's folks that just need to hold the door open. And, and the pursuit of allyship and working together and being good stewards, we're going to have to recognize that because we have entities that want to do the work, it doesn't always mean that they should be the ones doing the work. And that's no attack whatsoever against the chamber. I think the chamber can be a great partner in expanding business opportunities and economic development opportunities for all who want to use that avenue. But that is not an avenue for everyone. And the more that we understand that, and we see how larger communities utilize that and how we could scale that to something here, then the more robust this conversation can be and that it doesn't seem so nebulous in that, in that sense. So, um, you know, clawbacks exist for us to activate and use them. Um, as I stated a couple of weeks ago, there were several of our business partners who received funding from us who spoke to PES KPIs that did not have quantifiable or qualifiable um, responses and data for that. Um, hell, the city doesn't even have a KPI metric for it. So to speak on something that we don't even have a metric established for it, um, that's pretty magical. And um, I'm, I was going to make a very crash joke about magical and unicorns and being black, but I'm not going to do that and just say that I just in the pursuit of doing better for our community. I just want us to continue to do better. Well, I think this conversation really lands to kind of set a stage for even conversation for next budget session. Um, I think that's really important and, and I'm intrigued by the idea of potentially leveraging some of this or in the future or opening it up to see what other opportunities are. I think we should always be looking for more opportunities and better opportunities. So I appreciate that. Commissioner, I'll add to that. Since we know some of these conversations started in March, and I do believe it was about what April, May, that departments um, in, uh, provided their recommendations for the budget. There were several there were two particular entities that missed an opportunity to even be heard that I think could have rivaled some of the work that we're seeing as it relates to BIPOC landscapes, career pathway, the pathway, ecosystem, whatever the words, jargon we want to use um, in this. And we missed that opportunity because of our lack of understanding and nuance to this space. And so, you know, 
whether it's the, sometimes it's going to be the 11th hour for entities and individuals who have never been a part of the system. And at some point, we have to stop using that against them to say, well, it's the 11th hour, we can't help you, because you sure weren't looking for them in the first hour. So. Um, Sam, to speak to that, um, have, is there any way we can do if we haven't done a sufficient job? And it's not meant to, Sam, I mean, we've had this conversation, so I'm not trying to rehash old wounds. I just think we've just talked about, we've talked about better processing and, and reaching out, so. I just. And I'm just yeah. making that statement. Just, uh, yep. okay, okay. You're Sam, you're I, I, I wanted to make sure you heard. No, no, I'm always heard. So. Listen to is the difference. Okay. Um, well, I had an objection to it, so I'm not going to motion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I would entertain a motion on this. There's no further discussion. Doesn't seem like it. No, sir. I don't know. I have any other questions at this time. I would move. Uh, let's see. Uh, my pages are so far. Item eight. D8A. D8A for approval. Want to read that? Do we need to read that motion? I can read the whole thing for yeah. you. Uh, consider authorizing the city manager to enter uh, into a FY2024 funding agreement for economic development services with the Bioscience and Technology Business Center, the Dwayne Peasley Technology or Technical Training Center, the Lawrence Chamber of Commerce, Douglas County Corps, and Nick Carswell Music for funding distributions to the Lawrence Music Alliance. Um, I don't know if we just. No. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll just ask for a second. Second. Okay, we've got a first and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 No. And looks like it was. Yeah, I said yeah. You, you, okay, okay. Four so, to one. All right, four to one. The count is four to one. It is authorized. Thank you all. Um, I think right now, at this time, before we move on to regular agenda items, we will take a 10-minute break. If that is fine with everybody. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. All right. Thank you all. Bring us back, and I'll put my video on, which will help. Um, all right, going to uh, item F, regular agenda items. Um, first up, uh, consider conducting a budget public hearing for amending the 2023 budget, and then consider adopting resolution number 7517. All right. Good evening, Mayor and City Commission. Ali Porter, I'm the Interim Finance Director. So I do not have a formal presentation tonight, but I was going to uh, share the screen so we can see the funds that we are talking about. Maybe zoom in a little bit. Okay. 
Okay, so the purpose for tonight's meeting is to amend our 2023 budget, which was approved in September of 2022. Um, at that time, the city commission established a budget and your corresponding uh, spending authority in each fund, and that cannot be exceeded without um, city commission action. So we're here tonight per state law to formalize our um, updated expenditure authority. There are six funds that we uh, need to increase that authority. The special alcohol, special highway, special recreation, so lots of specials, our Kansas fights addiction, federal funds exchange, and transit. As you'll see, these two with the zero, Kansas fights addiction and federal funds exchange, those were not in the 2023 adopted budget, so that's the purpose of adding those um, this evening. And then the other four um, really have increased expenditure authority through our quarterly uh, amendment processes as well as various uh, commission actions throughout the year. And again, this is more just to formalize those actions into our form for the state. Um, to be clear, a, a vast majority of these are rolling 2022 projects into 2023. It's not a new or additional tax or anything like that. So um, it was, we had hoped to spend this money in 2022 for whatever reason that wasn't possible. So we asked commission's approval to expend it in 2023. And we're just reconciling that uh, this evening with the public hearing and then adopting the resolution. Okay. Thank you. And uh, any questions? I have a question. I do. I have a question. So you said the majority of this is rolling over funds. Could you give me more specific? Uh, yeah. So um, like transit is a good example. So they have um, their central station, I think, is our official name. So projects in the CIP that were slated in 2022 that ended up actually being in 2023. So you see that in um, transit as well as uh, special highway where we have um, streets projects. So um, like I said earlier, you see a lot of these in um, different commission actions, including the quarterly budget adjustments, which include our changes to the CIP. Okay. So a lot of these, um, especially the CIP ones, tie back to that first quarter budget adjustment. So what portion of it then is, is not a rollover amount? I mean, is it 90% that's rolling over of the extra that we need or 80%? Um. I guess I kind of want to know is, are we putting, is, are we actually having to pull more money from somewhere else or is this creating new, it's, it's all money that's already there. We're just moving it around. Is that what right. I'm hearing? So, so we budget for a fund balance that we, we think mm -hmm. we will end the year and then we end up with a higher fund balance again, because those projects that those dollars amount weren't spent. So it, it's rolling into the next year. And I think a good example will be if I just show you what I'm talking about here. With transit or special highway, here's a good example. So when we adopted the budget, we thought we were be, would be starting at 3.5 million. And then when we did our um, uh, annual 
Comprehensive Financial Report, ACFR, the actual balance was 5.1 million. So no, it's not, it's not pulling the money from somewhere else, it's in that fund. It was already in the fund. Yes. We're now seeking authorization to spend it. Yes. Okay. To formalize. Yes. Formalize. Yep. Okay. Could could you talk about the addiction and the exchange funds? Are the is that money we've got plans to spend somewhere, or do we have programs we're spending it on? So, uh, in regards to the Kansas Fights Addiction Fund, this again, this is relatively new. It is when the city opted to participate in a state program uh, from. Uh, opioid settlements with the Attorney General and what we had said in our 2024 budget process was that we would um, kind of earmark some funds for the purchase of Narcan and then um, in the future budget you know have a discussion with the Commission on on how they would like to see the remaining dollars spent. So are we going to have that discussion at some point? I'm yes. assuming. Yes. But not right now. Not tonight, okay, no. Got it. In the federal funds exchange program for 2.6? Yes. Um, our federal funds exchange, um, again, this is a, a program that the city um, opted to be a part of. So we take federal dollars and uh, put them to the state at an exchange rate of $1, and then we receive 90 cents when those turn into, um, what's the word I'm thinking of, uh, Kansas Department of Transportation, I believe. And I have MSO here, they need to tell me if I'm saying anything wrong. Um, and the reason we do that is um, it allows our projects more flexibility and, um, when we're looking at different federal requirements for those uh, funds. As to, um, Um, the the plans of those funds, I would probably need Melissa or some or Melinda, Melissa, somebody with MSO to to give more detail on the specifics of that fund. I saw Melinda come on. Can you see her, Melinda? I'm sorry, uh, can you hear me, commissioners? Yes, yes. Okay, I, my signal had dropped, so um, I might need someone to repeat the question. Yeah, I was just curious on the federal funds exchange, um, the 2.6, yes. what is that money allocated, allocated for? What will it be allocated for? Um, it's typically allocated to a street project. It can be used for street maintenance or storm-related projects. Okay. We don't have any projects dedicated yet, but we plan to. Is that right? Yes. So the way that fund works, we can submit work that we've already done, and we get reimbursed, and then we apply that to the next year's funds. Okay. Thank you. That's all I have. Commissioner Sellers? Oh, just ready for us to open a hearing. Any other further questions? Okay. All right, thank you. <laughs> um, and now uh, I will open the budget public hearing and public comment.
Any public comments? All right, uh, Sherry, what's that? Open to close the move to close the public. Oh, we got we got to go to Zoom. Okay, uh, Sherry, any any, any folks on Zoom? Okay, bringing it back, I will close the budget public hearing. <laughs> um, uh, any discussion? No, sir. I move to adopt resolution number 7517. Okay, is there a second out there? Second it. Okay, first and a second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 None opposed, it's 5-0. All right, moving us on to item number two, receive stormwater rates presentation and consider adopting on first reading ordinance number 10022 to establish 2024 stormwater rates. That is not, Kurt, it looks like that's not the right presentation for stormwater rates. This one you sent me at five o'clock. <laughs> okay. Um, can you load up the one from the previous email then? What? Can you load up the one from the email on Friday? Sure. Thanks. So I'll get. I'll just do a quick introduction and then we'll, we'll have those slides come up. Um, good evening, commissioners. Thank you for having me. I'm Angela Buzzard, General Manager of Administration with MSO. And um, tonight we have a couple of rate presentations in front of you. So the first one is gonna be our stormwater rates um, that we're gonna talk through. Um, so myself, as well as Deputy Director Mike Lawless is gonna be presenting. And then also um, we have our um, Raft Hellis consultant online, Colin Dratt, to be able to answer questions as well. So um, we will hopefully kind of jump into this. Just a second. So you're saying the stormwater one is wrong? Correct. It's in the agenda too. You can pull it up from the agenda. Mm -hmm. It is on the agenda, but can you get it on the screen? Good. Yeah, we could we could work from that one as well. Yeah. Okay. Scroll all the way down. Keep going. That's hers or not? Mine won't show it on. Oh. Gotcha. Oops, that's the budget hearing. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. Keep going. There you go. A little bit further. <laughs> I feel like I'm fishing. Mm -hmm. And see if I can share from here. Try the button in the top right. Okay. The zoom button, you know, over on the right. Keep it up. Um, it's a zoom screen. It's a uh, camera. You can see. Yep. Nope. Down. <laughs> there we go. Hot. Share. Green button. All right. There you go. Sounds like an idea. Yeah. 
and are we sharing? Item two. There we go. There we go. Awesome. Just a little tech. Nothing. No problem. Okay, so um, I wanted to start off by just doing a quick highlight, uh, re refresher on our strategic plan indicators that play into um, looking at our stormwater system. So the first, both the strategies and the KPIs. So the first strategy here uh, is playing into this is utilizing a green rating system for our infrastructure projects. Um, the KPI for that is CC14. and. Um, just wanted to note here we are uh, highlighting ourselves in a green status on this in that we have a number of staff that are now um, have completed the certification process for the Envision um, green rating system that we've adopted for um, our stormwater projects. And so that's a great accomplishment we've done over the last year. And we are starting to implement that green rating system with our uh, major stormwater projects, the first one being um, the Jayhawk watershed. So we're looking forward to getting that going and implementing that green rating system um, that we're using for Envision. So that system is more for our larger horizontal projects as opposed to our lead um, lead rating system, which is more localized to our facility type of projects. And the second um, strategy there that Im impacts stormwater is looking at integrating green infrastructure best practices into public projects. Um, so we have kind of a, a middle of the road yellow on this one as far as what we're doing. We have over the last several months integrated uh, APWA's best practices for um, best practices for stormwater management, a lot of those being those kind of more green infrastructure related practices. So we're evaluating that related to our projects. Again, one of our larger projects, Jayhawk Watershed, is one of those that we wanted to highlight that is incorporating looking at our green infrastructure best practices for that. Um, and fourthly, which is the edit that I uh, wanted to make for this, um, which was part of the, the updated presentation, we're actually at a yellow on um, the next strategy, which is really, you guys have probably heard us talk about CC4 as the reliability strategy. It's kind of a really big all-encompassing strategy of our strategic plan. Um, but the, the goal there is to prioritize and enhance timely, accurate, reliable, accessible, transparent information, processes, and services for this component particularly related to our stormwater system. So we have a yellow on this because we, as many of you know, we have a massive stormwater ID assessment modeling project that we've been in the midst of that is set to um, not be completed until 25, but we've been able to make huge progress on it so far. And so our data information and um, reliability of the information part of this strategy is really getting in a really good place. Um, but as far as the processes and service side, really looking at correcting the work that we've identified in that assessment project to improve the reliability of the system, that's going to be a little bit into the future. So we're, we're kind of in the middle of the road on that strategy as well. So those are kind of the um, refresher on the strategic plan that I wanted to bring to the forefront there. The next slide that we have here is really talking a little bit about our stormwater system. So um, it is really a system that is often forgotten until it rains, um, but it's a massive um, endeavor that we manage on a daily basis. So we have about 7,200 different structures throughout our stormwater system. So that includes things like our culverts, our inlets, our manholes. Um, some of those obviously being a wide range, but some of them very large structures that we're managing. It includes 16 miles of open channel, 160 miles of uh, stormwater pipe, 
four pump stations and um, about 19 miles of levee along our Kansas uh, River and Mud Creek. So um, the picture here is um, of uh, North Sharon Drive pre-project that we just did this last year and highlighting um, that obviously doing these projects obviously benefits um, localized areas for those residents as well as those that um, pass through those areas. So just a quick note here on stormwater billing. How do we do billing for stormwater? It's a little unique um, in that it's billed on an equivalent residential unit or ERU. So Lawrence, when we established the um, program in the middle 1990s, one ERU um, was equivalent to at that time, the average was about 2366 square foot of impervious surface. So that's gonna be your roof line, accessory structures, um, driveway adjacent impervious areas that water is not able to penetrate. So um, most residential homes are around 1 to 1.25 ERUs when we're looking at the increase that we're recommending. That's what you can attribute it back to. And I think it's important to note at this time that obviously, as you might might think, uh, the average impervious surface for, per residential unit has increased quite a bit actually since this was established. So that is something that our team as staff has looked at and we'll probably bring forward um, to look at maybe updating that to what we're, we're seeing in, in um, home size uh, now, but that's not, not something we have on the table for tonight. So this uh, picture here just wanted is Burroughs Creek around 15th Street. So the playground equipment is no longer there, but this is an example of um, an area that sees frequent flooding and extensive flooding that we haven't been able to address yet. So this is still on the work, work to be done. The last slide that I have here before I turn it over to Mike is really getting into the a little bit more about the modeling itself. Um, this uh, forecast that we do as a part of the model obviously includes both revenue assumptions as well as looking at our operating budget and our CIP. Uh, these are the main key variable factors that we're looking at on the cost side of things. Um, really, and um, looking at the revenue side of things, it's pretty set as far as uh, how many different structures we have and, and what we have in our system as far as assessing on the square footage. On the cost side of things, um, things are obviously a lot more variable, um, and those are, are no surprise there. Inflation obviously is one of those factors that is a an addition to all the different categories that we've seen there. We've seen a little bit of reprieve in um, inflation on supplies and materials, um, but in a lot of our other cost factors, we're still seeing sig significant inflation factors, and we, we hope to see that decreasing going forward. Um, but I wanted to bring point up here that, um, you know, the CIP really drives a lot of the stormwater fund. I mean, that's the bulk of what dollars are going to is towards those those projects and activities, which isn't isn't always the same in, in the various um, funds and programs that we manage. Um, but I would say that, you know, we have recommended and have been adopted steady rate increases over the last several years. And we've been able to do a number of projects uh, with those dollars that really help, again, those, those residences, those areas, as well as others that, um, come to those areas of the community as well that we've been able to really address some flooding challenges. So with that, I'm actually gonna turn it over to Mike who's gonna talk about some of those projects that we've been able to accomplish recently as well as going forward into the next year. Thanks, Angela. Good evening, Mayor and Commissioners. Mike Lawless, Deputy Director for Municipal Services and Operations. And I'm gonna kind of round out the presentation on the stormwater side. Um, and I get to talk a little bit about some of the projects um, 
that we've got, uh, that we completed this year, as well as some of the things that are on our uh, project list for 2024. Um, I think, you know, one of the things that Angela pointed out in that uh, a couple of slides ago was the Sharon Drive project, and, and I guess I'm gonna back up just a little bit to that. But if you look at this picture, that is the street that they're playing in. Um, and that street leads to a basically a dead-end area. Um, and in a, a stormwater event like you're seeing here, that area was isolated so that uh, fire and medical equipment was not able, would not be able to access the area north of this location, um, as well as the people that live there, if they wanted to get out, they weren't able to get out. Um, this year we completed that project, um, and now that will not happen um, in, uh, in a storm event. We'll be able to get uh, emergency equipment in, people would be able to get out, and likely we wouldn't see children playing in the street. Um, the next three projects that are on there are um, kind of unique in that, um, one, they were all identified in the uh, 96 Stormwater Master Plan. Um, these projects are underway or completed. Um, 23rd Street, if you um, know, we're about ready to open that up to full traffic um, coming up maybe the end of this week or early next week. Um, and I don't know, but if you remember driving that road prior to the project, um, not a lot of people like to be in that outside lane when we were in a heavy rain because you were basically driving through a puddle and splashing water everywhere, if not onto your windshield. Um, and that project, this project um, has corrected that. Um, if you drive it or as you drive it, you'll notice there's some wave to the road um, in order to facilitate that drainage to get it to the storm structures and get it off of the roadway. So, um, you know, a definite noticeable improvement. Uh, East 19th Street between O'Connell and Harper, um, at that low spot there, there used to be, um, I think it was two uh, smaller uh, stormwater pipes that's now been replaced with a box structure. Um, we've raised the grade a little bit on that, um, but that project has also done um, uh, wonders to improve stormwater there. And then um, finally, 17th in Alabama, um, about 30, about 33 years ago or so, I lived at 1813 Alabama when I was in school, and uh, I remember that more than once, Alabama was just uh, uh, basically a river, and um, you know we're now getting around to correcting that problem, uh, being able to enclose that uh, stormwater and get it off the road. Um, those three projects are also what we like to call our corridor projects. So it's not just a stormwater project or it's not just a street project, but it's a, a, a holistic look at what are the improvements that we need to make so that we're not just doing one or the other at a time. Um, and those three projects in terms of stormwater are about $9 million worth of work um, that we've got on stormwater. The projects add up to more than that, but if we're just looking at stormwater, we're in the $9 million range uh, for stormwater on those. Um, the other items there, the asset inventory assessment and modeling. So we're well underway with that project and um, in terms of where we're at is we've probably gotten through 80% of the um, 
visual inspections of those structures in all of the city, and we've completed modeling on all the basins that flow to the Kansas River, except for Baldwin Creek. So that includes North Lawrence, and then pretty much anything east of uh, about Lawrence Avenue um, in that area. So we've got all the modeling done on that, um, and we've got all the assets identified. We've, we've, we're using a lot of our city crews to do the identification of those, and then we provide that to our consultant. They go through the videos and the pictures that we take. They'll rate it. They'll incorporate that into the model on the rest of the, the basins that we have in the city. Um, and we'll be complete with that in about 2025. Um, somewhere in mid-year. Um, and then we have a rehab replacement and lining program. So as we go through and we TV the system and we look at structures, we're identifying problems. And so, you know, whether it's a failed pipe, a bottom that's rusted out of a, a corrugated metal pipe, or um, other projects that we have, whether they be corridor, water, sewer, sanitary, anything like that, that we have the ability to fund those projects to do it the first time and be in and out. Um, and um, I think that's all I had to say on that one. Oh, I do know the other thing that we're doing with those funds is we're also designing some of the smaller projects that we find. So this year we um, designed about three projects that are ready to let. Um, as soon as we're ready for 24 funding, those projects will be let. You'll see them come through um, for your approval on those projects. And then finally, um, we're working on design of the field campus project, um, and Stormwater has funding in that. Right now we're at roughly 40% design, um, and you'll see more of that coming in 2024, which is the next slide I have um, on projects that were coming up for this year. Um, again, the first three that we've identified, Maple Lane, uh, Jayhawk Middle Reach, and Sixth Street from Iowa to Mass, those projects all had some semblance of stormwater from the 96 master plan. Um, we have those projects under design. Um, and in the case of 6th Street from Iowa to Mass, that project is let. And we'll be doing um, stormwater work in that. And those three projects alone, we're looking at almost $19 million of stormwater work in those projects. Again, as I mentioned on the asset inventory and modeling, we'll continue with that in 24. Again, rehab and replacement. So the projects that we designed this year, some of those will get funded out of that money next year. Plus, if there's anything that we find that needs an emergency repair or a spot or a point repair, those funds will help us um, take care of that. And then um, the field campus um, design should be completed by the end of 24. Um, we may see some site work Construction start on that um, in late 24, but we probably won't see any building work start on that until 25. So what does all that add up to when we're looking at how do we fund the $9 million that we'd have for 23 and the $20 million that we're looking at in 24 plus the projects that we'll identify? And um, 
what we've got is about uh, an additional 56 cents per ERU um, that it will take in 24 to fund our uh, 2024 stormwater budget, our CIP, and in this instance, we'll use about $300,000 of our fund balance in order to, to make that uh, 2024 budget work. Um, you can kind of see that in our rate sufficiency graph here. So what we've kind of shown is a, a five-year look ahead where if we did not do any rate increases, this is the, the green line would be our revenue that we would um, uh, believe that we would bring in um, with the rate increase that we're proposing tonight and then continuing on. Um, into the future, um, the red line would be the revenues that we expect. Um, blue is the light uh, CN or blue color is our O&M budget. Um, the darker blue is uh, debt service, and then the yellow would be our rate-funded capital projects or cash construction. So that just kind of gives you uh, um, a feel for where we're at. So if you look in 24, the yellow goes a little bit above our, our red uh, revenue line. Um, in 25 and 26, we're a little below the revenue that we bring in, but you can see in 27 and 28, um, we would spend um, a considerable amount of our fund uh, balance or our fund reserve um, in order to do all of the projects that we have. So instead of doing a, a, a minimal rate increase and then having to do a very high rate increase we're trying to smooth those rates out over time and that's what we're we're showing with this graph so kind of what are our action and next steps um, for tonight it would be to adopt stormwater ordinance um, 10,022 um, and then after that um, we would have the second reading of that ordinance on December 19th and the rates would be effective January 1 and with that I would stand for any questions any questions I have a question on your, can you go back to your graph? To your graph there. Uh, can we get that back up on the? Yeah, hold on. Stop moving your mouse. It's taking over. Taking control. There we go. There we go. Yeah, that's okay. good. That's good. So you're showing on the proposed revenue um, as it rises. Does that take into account any potential increases in 2025, 26, 27, or 28, or is that just yes. for that 56? No, it would. It we're would. Talking about. It assumes that there would be a rate increase needed in each of those years. Yes. Did you do one that just shows the rate increase for this year and not showing any increases? I did not. I do not have that tonight. How that would impact our. Fund balance? Nope. Okay. Colin is on. Uh, Colin, if you're there, is that something you could um, address with the model? Yeah, I think that's something we could certainly provide. Basically, what you'd see there is if we just did the increase, I should ask, can you hear me okay? Yes. Mm -hmm. Start up with that. Okay. So basically, what you'd see if we just did the obviously if we the the sort of status quo is the green line. If we just did the 24 increase, that purple line would um, basically be pretty close to the green line, almost parallel with it. So 
if you left, if you did just the first year and then didn't do any adjustments after that, in 25, you'd still obviously be north of the projected expenditures as we have now, but by 26, you'd really start to um, kind of, we'd have to use more fund balance kind of progressively in each year after that. And then at some point, um, we get to a point where we kind of are bumping up against that, that sort of policy limit on our fund balance and would probably need to make an adjustment at that point. So when we're coming up with the trajectory of that purple line, we're really trying to say, what sort of a level of adjustment we can do each year that recognizes the fact that, that we do have some money now that we can use, um, but we don't want to get too far behind on making those adjustments because eventually we will have to course correct there. So uh, to, the short answer is it would it would be basically just a little bit above that, that green line and, and flat if you only did 24 and, and didn't have any adjustments after that. Okay, thank you. Sure. Sure, Larson. I would just add that um, that um, the trend line for the purple trend line is kind of estimating about a seven to eight percent increase over each of those years. So that's kind of what's creating that trend line. Obviously, as we do each model and refine it and get more estimates, you know, we're looking at that. But that's kind of what over that five-year forecast. That's what that trend line is representing. Okay. Thank you. I have one more question here. So, okay. One more question. Does this, um, do these through 2028, does this get us through the majority of the projects from 96 that needed to be done? So what we're doing is as we do the modeling for each of the basins, they're looking at each of the projects that were in the 96 master plan and they're trying to in the 96 master plan, there's a very detailed description of what yep. those projects uh, would uh, take care of. And they're looking at that as part of the modeling that they're doing. And then those will be evaluated um, through the prioritization mm -hmm. of the projects. And if they, if they rise to the top, then those will be ones that we would recommend for funding. If they don't, then we'll work them in as we can um, with the funding that we have. Okay, thanks. I'm glad to see they're still on the on the list though. That's important. And may I have a quick question? Just so I make sure I'm understanding the numbers and percentages. When we got this present, when we received this presentation last year, it was given to us in terms of percentages. So it was like, like 8.7 for, 23 and it was like 10 and a half for 24. So what percentage of this is that 10 and a quarter? This is storm. This is seven and a half. I was gonna say, yeah, this is seven and a half. So this is seven and a half of the 10 and a total. Or do we, or am I, or am I just, am I mixing the, am I mixing this with the water, with the water, wastewater? There we go. Never mind. Last year it was a seven, but I knew what I was talking Seven and a half percent, I believe, adoption as well for storm water. And so this is that. So this is that seven and a half. Okay. Never mind. So the 10 and a quarter for water and wastewater for the coming year, 24 is separate. We'll be in the next presentation. Got it. You still want to No, I'm good. I have one question. Yep. Um, you guys don't know off the top of your head what your fund balance is currently relative to these. You talked about uh, dipping further into the fund balance, which we're using $400,000 this year. Do you know what the general... Colin can probably, from the model, Colin, can you say what the fund balance assumption was for 24 yeah, going forward? I think, yeah. so even... 
after we use the 300,000. So basically, we've got a, a minimum uh, target of about 60 days. I can see if I can figure out what that is dollar-wise, um, but we'd still be well north of that, um, even using the 300,000. So definitely plenty there. And if you extended that graph out further, I think you basically see that, that we're projecting expenses to be above where we have the revenues to basically recognize the money we've already got and use it up to kind of offset the adjustments. So that trend that you see in 27 and 28 where the revenues are being outpaced by the expenses, given the money we've already got, we're expecting to be able to continue to do that. So we're still in good shape in 24, even using that money. Um, and then even on out further into the future, um, we should be uh, well, well north of our kind of minimum. Okay. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Any uh, further questions for the team? All right. I will move us on to public comment. Any public comment here in the room? Not seeing any. Uh, Sherry, do we have any online or in Zoom? Nowhere. Okay, bringing it back. Any discussion on this? I don't have much to add. Yeah. Well, I, I'll go ahead and say as well. Um, I appreciate all the work, hard work of the team here, and uh, and what you're, the work you're doing to go ahead and pace us out in terms of our rate increases as, as opposed to having huge jumps. So uh, I do appreciate that forward thinking and uh, consideration of modest, uh, modest, modest help from the fund balance. So. All right. Um, okay. If there's no discussion, I, I wouldn't hail a motion. Move to adopt on the first reading ordinance 10-022 to establish stormwater rates for 2024. Second. Right, first and second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Looks like five and none opposed. Passes 5-0. Thank you all. Um, and moving us on to item number three. Um, receive solid waste rates presentation and consider adopting on first reading ordinance number 10,021 and establish solid waste rates for 2024. Good evening, Mayor and Commission. I'm Melissa Sieben, Director of Municipal Services and Operations. And um, you've already seen uh, Mike Lawless, our Deputy Director up here tonight. But we also have with us online, Eric Weiss. He's with Burns and McDonald. And they have been um, partnering um, as a consultant with us um, on our solid waste rates for about the last four years. And what we are um, trying to do here is really have a good understanding of our cost to provide service and doing it by rate class. So you're going to see some themes in this presentation about rate class, which um, hopefully um, we address adequately. If not, we'll be more than happy to take questions afterwards. Trying to advance the slide. Here we go. Um, 
So the strategic plan um, for solid waste um, lies under our strong and welcoming neighborhoods outcome. Currently, we only have two uh, performance indicators. The first is our um, capital uh, or our cost per capita, and then the next one is our employee engagement index. What we are hoping to do for you, we are starting a solid waste master plan process in 2024, where we will be working to get um, better KPIs, we feel, um, that'll help you understand sort of where we're heading in meeting our strong and welcoming neighborhood outcomes. Those um, types of things that we would be looking at are actually um, diversion rates as opposed to um, just the cost to provide, but also looking at other things such as our ability to do reduction and elimination of different types of waste. So all of those things ultimately um, over time should um, help us address um, how fast our rates go up or what our rates cost, perhaps mellowing things out over time if we're not having to collect as much waste at the curb. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to have Mike Lawless come up and we're going to kind of talk about how um, we are looking at our 2024 rates for solid waste. His first uh, slide is here. All right. All right, thank you. So I'm gonna do uh, um, kind of what I did on the stormwater rates. We'll do a little bit of highlights of 23. Um, and first and foremost on that is that we were um, able to hire a general manager for our solid waste group. Um, that's Ron uh, Green is his name. He's been a great addition. Um, I think he's brought some stability and um, I would say some uh, experience to that position that that helps out the supervisors that we have there and and I think has brought some some calm to that uh, division um, it's not perfect but I, I think it's much better and uh, I think Ron has a very good relationship with his staff in a very short period of time and I think we've made some real strides um, in the solid waste group um, you know, one of the other things that we, um, you know, just listening to the staff and the um, that's down there and the and the supervisory group that we have is, um, you know, how do we have our route split by by days of the week? And Mondays and Fridays are really difficult. Um, they're very packed. They're very full days. Um, and you know, some of the other days of the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we have maybe not as busy a days as that we have on Mondays and Fridays. And the thing about Mondays and Fridays are that's where we have the majority of our growth potential is in our Monday routes and our Friday routes. And so what we did was we um, have undertaken a residential route study to help us try to uh, take a look at the routes that we have today and are there adjustments that we can make to that to move some of that um, load to our middle of the week to provide us some cushion on Mondays and Fridays, one for some breathing room um, as we start to grow and in those areas, as well as um, utilize the staff and the equipment that we have. So that's something that we have underway. We'll get that the results of that um, shortly after the first of the year so that we can start to make some recommendations on any changes that we might want to make um, in those routes that we have. Um, the other thing is, um, if you've driven any of the alleys downtown, if you ever walk those, um, the condition of those alleys is um, 
not very good in some cases, and that's where those solid waste staff have to roll out um, those um, trash enclosures. They have to manhandle them out and get them on the trucks and um, with the condition of those, we, we have a lot of injuries to employees. And so one of the things that we've done over the last um, two years is to fund our alley rehab. Solid Waste has been putting money into that. Um, this year, we spent the majority of our money on design of the alleys that are downtown. And next year, we'll have somewhere in the neighborhood of a million and a million plus in construction for alleys. Um, we did that project in 22. If you've walked any of those alleys down there, um, it's very nice. Um, it's much easier for our staff to get in and do their work, as well as just people that have to walk through the alley. Um, and so that's something that we're very proud of um, that we're able to fund through the storm, uh, sorry, the solid waste uh, funds. Um, the other thing that we're doing is, um, you know, we have a um, our roll off. Uh, process is very intensive and we really tried hard to see if we could make that work within the the billing system that we have for water sewer trash uh, storm water um, we worked very hard with the consultant that we have um, or the vendor that we have for that billing system and there just really wasn't a good um, easy way to get that that made it uh, better for everyone. And so what we did was we went out and we started looking at um, a roll-off billing process uh, software made specifically for that. Um, we've identified that uh, vendor or that product and um, that's what we did this year. In 24, we'll be bringing that back um, as a purchase to, to get that uh, roll-off um, billing in a much better uh, situation than we are today. Um, we've also enhanced our commercial and roll-off tank inventory. Um, that's one thing that we've heard from the community about, um, you know, tankage being available when they want it. Um, in uh, 22 and 23, we added funds to buy additional tanks. In 24, we've done that as well as so we started looking at um, not only our existing inventory, but what are we seeing in terms of new customers that would need tankage so that we have the ability to get those as well. So I think um, that's what you'll be seeing in uh, 24 is the ability to get more tanks, get the ones that are um, not serviceable anymore, we get them out of our inventory and get something that's usable for um, our customers. Um, and then uh, equipment replacement, we have in the neighborhood of about 57 um, heavy-duty trucks that we use to um, um, do the operations that we have, whether it be for rear load, front load, um, our automated side loaders, we have grapple trucks, um, we have a small packers, we have multi-lifts, all of that is the equipment that we need in order to, to provide the service that we do. Um, and we need to replace that on a regular basis. And so we're looking at in the neighborhood of a million and a half dollars um, to replace equipment on an annual basis to, to keep that uh, inventory in good working order. And then finally, um, I think uh, if it wasn't last meeting, the meeting before you heard about the asset management plan, um, solid waste has a, a hand in that in terms of funding um, in 23. Um, Oh. 
And so just some highlights for um, 24. Melissa mentioned um, we're undertaking a, uh, a solid waste master plan. Um, we'll be looking at um, our staffing, our um, equipment, um, the routes that we have, where is the city growing, when do we need to bring on additional crews or, or have additional routes so that we can uh, continue to maintain the level of service um, that we have. Um, we also get to start um, design um, towards the end of 24 on the uh, solid waste part of the campus project. Um, that will go underway late in, in 24 as we're starting to do construction on the field operations part of the campus, then we'll roll into design on the um, solid waste piece. Um, we also have smart truck technology. Um, that's something that we've been working on um, for a few years now. Um, we thought we were ready to do that in 23 um, this year, but um, the vendor that we had chosen um, had lost uh, one of their software components um, and we weren't comfortable moving forward with that project until we get a better idea of what they're bringing on um, to replace the component that they lost. Um, they're supposed to have that to us in January so that we can evaluate that, and if so, then we move forward with our pilot and ultimately uh, implementation of that uh, smart truck technology. Uh, finally, I mentioned um, uh, equipment replacement. Um, we're also looking at fleet transition. So as we get into those uh, later years, um, we start to look at how do we transition the diesel fleet that we have, whether it be uh, compressed natural gas, whether we get to electric, or how quickly we can do that. Some of that depends on the technology and how long those batteries last and, and how that works in the environment um, that solid waste works in. But that's something that we're looking at. Um, we will have a fleet transition report to the commission in the first quarter of 24. Um, we'll be able to present that study to you. And then as we start to look through that, how does that impact our budgets looking down the road in terms of making that transition of the fleet? Um, alley rehab will start on construction. Um, and then asset management. Um, We've talked a lot about asset management for um, our uh, water, wastewater, stormwater, parks and rec. All of those are underway now. And in again, in late 24, we'll start uh, the City Works implementa implementation for solid waste. So um, the enclosures that we have around town, where are they at, what condition are they in, um, what do we have there, um, so that we know what we have and where it's at. Um, that's one of the key things that we need to know. Oops, there we go. And I think at this point, um, Eric is going to deal with the next couple of slides. And Eric, if you just tell me when you're ready, um, I can uh, advance the slide for you. Sure thing. Yeah, can everyone hear me? Yes, mm -hmm. sir. Yes. All right, yeah, well, thank you for having me today. and. Um, uh, you appreciate being able to, to present to you this evening. Um, so my name is Eric Weiss. I'm with Burns and McDonald uh, and uh, 
been working with the city uh, both on on the rate side as well as uh, as the routing study that, that Mike mentioned uh, for several years now. Uh, so the, the slide that we're showing here are some of the key factors that went into um, evaluating the, the current and then the projected costs for solid waste management and the collection program that the city has. Um, a lot of, uh, in terms of the methodology there, uh, and this is consistent with you know, other clients that we work with as well as across the solid waste industry are, are rising costs due to inflation, uh, due to supply chain um, challenges, um, attracting and retaining um, staff and, and qualified drivers for vehicles, um, as well as um, uh, interest rates related to uh, uh, debt and the cost of financing. Um, so uh, looking at all that and looking at that for um, the next five years, um, we, we projected out the uh, anticipated costs for the program. And, and then we looked at the um, uh, the cost of service on a per account basis, uh, getting at that last bullet there uh, related to rate inequities. Um, so when we go on to the next slide, we'll be looking at kind of the recommendations and approach to um, minimize that inequity uh, between customer classes, um, particularly between the residential and, the, and then the commercial customers that the city services. So yeah, Mike, if you could go on to the next slide there. So, so this slide communicates the uh, recommended rate increases um, in order to, to achieve two things primarily. The first is to um, meet the anticipated costs that are, are going to be rising um, this year as well as over the, the planning horizon. Uh, and then secondly, to um, uh, get closer to rate parity um, and minimize that inequity where um, the revenue generated by the um, single and multifamily residential uh, customers are um, in part supporting the, the cost for uh, the commercial customers. And so um, the 6.5% the there for single uh, and multifamily are meant to you know, cover their costs as well as the anticipated um, capital improvement projects um, that are going to be getting started and, and likely debt funded um, in the next several years. Um, and then the roll off, the commercial front load and rear load, uh, commercial carts downtown and, and school paper recycling. Well, I guess um, uh, not school paper recycling, but everything before that related to commercial collection um, would increase at a, a higher rate uh, in order to, again, achieve that, that rate parity going forward. And uh, Mike, if you could go on to the next slide. So, um, so this slide presents the results of, of the rate modeling um, that includes the um, recommended rates that we had just shown on the previous slide and shows the, the line graphs uh, or the line parts of this chart show um, uh, each customer class and, and the net revenue, uh, meaning uh, if it's a if it's positive that there the city would anticipate bringing in more revenue from that customer than than that customer costs to provide service, uh, and the opposite for those that are below zero, 
Um, and then the bar chart component of this graph shows overall or on a combined basis the, uh, the net revenue uh, taking into account the, the recommended rates. And so um, anticipating those, those capital costs, uh, rising costs to provide service uh, kind of across the board uh, that's consistent with industry, uh, the, those recommended rates are meant to be proactive so that there are no um, larger spikes that would be subject to kind of a, a compounding effect uh, with, with the rising costs to provide service. Uh, and. and I guess similar to stormwater, looking to be as proactive as as the city can be to um, minimize the impact of those in, in the out years. Additionally, the recommended rates would um, keep the city in alignment with with peer municipalities that are are struggling with the same challenges related to rising costs um, and having to kind of think about the the long term impact of of their rates. Um, as well as being able to um, support the the planned capital projects um, that uh, the city is looking to to get into in the next couple of years. So I think that that covers things on on these slides. So so Mike, I'll I'll pass it back to you. Yep, this is Melissa Sieben again. I just wanted to note what we're looking at here, and we had a line on our chart, but it doesn't seem to want to come through for us in the multiple attempts to do it. You're about a million four delta between um, residential and commercial, and over this five-year period, we're getting that difference down to about 500,000 um, of subsidy. So that's what we're attempting to do is to bring that alignment um, back in. So if there's any other questions on that, we certainly can take them now or at the end. Um, So just some additional service updates. Um, as I mentioned uh, in the previous slides, um, we had been uh, pursuing roll-off, uh, a different program to do roll-off billing. And we, again, we've identified that vendor and we plan to be operational with that um, in mid-2024. We hope that will improve the service that we're able to provide, as well as at the same time having the, the tanks that we need in order to, to make the customers, uh, to get the customers what, what they're looking for. And then just a, a little bit on the master plan uh, related updates. So we'll be looking at um, other service lines. So, you know, when we talk about uh, commercial recycling, you know, how does that look? What does it take? What is it going to cost us to, to get into that kind of business? And, and you know, what, is, what, is, what would we have to charge? in order to, to provide that service. Um, and so those will be things that we start to look at in that master plan. Um, you know, whether we um, wanna get into or how do we deal with um, construction and demolition waste? Um, is that something we want to tackle? Is it something that we want to, you know, use uh, the existing facilities that are out there? Um, but those are things that we haven't really explored um, that we will, um, do so in that master plan. You know, should we be taking food waste and using that at our compost area? Um, what do we do as that compost area? It's already pretty full. You know, are we going to expand there? Are we going to look for another space to do that? Those will be things that we look at um, 
with that master plan. And, and I think it will be um, a good look for how do we, you know, where do we want solid waste to be um, five years from now or 10 years from now? And how do we get there? Kind of the roadmap to do that. Um, so that's what, um, that's what we'll be doing with that project. Sure. Um, along with this, I mean, Mike and I are just starting to really delve into the solid waste master plan and what, what that will all do. We also have the, the county's um, annual or five-year update that they have to do to the state, and we'll be working together in coordination with them on some manner on that. Um, just of, of note, um, we're in Douglas County, but Johnson County's landfill only has a certain defined amount of time left. We're starting to look at sort of how those things align, what that might mean for Douglas County, but also mean for the city of Lawrence and the services that we're used to um, providing, consuming, and um, reaching out for. And there's a lot of work that's going to happen with this master plan, and we will have um, considerable amount of um, opportunity for the public to engage um, in that as well. So. Thanks, Melissa. So tonight, um, just kind of action and next steps. Um, our action tonight would be to adopt the solid waste ordinance 10,021, uh, with the next step being uh, a second reading of that ordinance on December 19th and the rates being effective on January 1. Um, and with that, um, we would stand for questions. Uh, Dave Pentland, longtime employee, uh, retired this year. Um, but uh, anyway, just a, a nice picture to end on. Congrats. Yeah. Uh, I got a quick one right off the bat. Uh, maybe I missed it. When will, what, when will we be learning more about the master plan again? So right now we're in the process of developing the RFP uh, for the master plan. We would um, hope to have that out um, sometime in the first quarter of 24. Um, we would bring that contract back to you um, once we got the RFP and kind of gone through the negotiations. And again, as Melissa said, we'll be working in conjunction with the county on that for their five-year plan. Um, so they'll, they'll kind of be several components to it, but um, um, kind of working together to, to address solid waste as a whole for the county. Cool. Thank you. Um, Back on the, the slides, make sure I'm reading that slide with the numbers right. We're spending 500000 down in our fund balance in 24. That's how I read that. Yes. Yes. Okay. Just making sure on that. Um, obviously, I'm excited about the alley rehab, so I walk downtown like, the, like those. Once we get to downtowns, does this alley rehab, will that continue to other alleys throughout, or, or are we mainly focus on the downtown commercial alleys? Well, I think that's where we're going to start, but I, I think we recognize there are other alleys, and, and at that point, it's it's kind of a priority of, you know, where do we have, at least from the solid waste side of it now, there's the, the street side, the PCI side of that, but certainly solid waste would have some input in that in terms of where are their problem areas, you know, where are they having trouble getting tankage out or how could we improve that um, but initially the focus is is the the downtown um, but I I see that uh, moving out into other alleys as as we get further into that program yeah I could certainly see some of the oh yeah neighborhoods being a challenge to to pick yes. trash <laughs> yes okay I have a question thank you uh, can you go back to yeah we've got the graph there um 
so the recycling, that's all considered commercial, and even though it's being done in a um, single-family and multi-families, it's, it's not part of that, of being single-family or multi-family. The recycle, you've got it all lumped into commercial. I, d I don't believe, I think that that's, that's probably a, a mistake on the, the slide itself because recycling. Yeah, I can, I can jump in here, Mike. Um, yeah, so the single family slash multifamily residential, the blue line does include um, both trash and recycling collection and the yellow line commercial front load, rear load slash recycle that that's meant to stand for commercial recycle carts okay for those uh commercial customers that that receive cart-based collection okay okay thanks i was wondering that um so w why do you think it is that commercial is is um such a difficult time making revenue or, or trying to meet its expenses i'm gonna start on this and then I'm going to let my team jump in with me. You know, this was something that as I was diving into this um, this year for the first time with enough background to actually be beneficial in conversation that we were looking at this and, and when we came into the study with Burns and Mac a, a several years ago, we saw the inequity and um, my team has been trying to address that but we're, we're looking at our, you know, campus project plus, you know, um, some sustainability measures that we're wanting to endeavor upon with our fleet transit Transition and really had to say, okay, um, this is a pretty big delta, and what can we do to impact um, impact the balance or the equity between the different rate classes? And so, yeah, this does not look um, as fabulous as you would like after five years, but actually, if you would add the next year on, you will see that the yellow line goes over the blue line. And so, unfortunately, we were trying to hold our you know, consistency in what we were showing to the five years, but you will see that we, we achieve that parity um, before the end of this um, decade. <laughs> okay, and this what I'm assuming, just like with stormwater includes proposed potential increases over the next five years. Yes, it does, but within the five-year time horizon, each um, one of these classes drops below um, a double-digit increase, so we're actually, you're, you're, you'll, we're gonna go up if you adopt, choose to adopt these rates this year. We'll hold kind of steady uh, for a couple years, maybe, I think two in some cases, three in others, but we start dropping off almost immediately um, stair-stepping down and again you get back to these uh, much more what I would call typical increases we would have seen when we had very little inflation um, in the next five years okay I got one more question one I would say the, the only thing I would add to that is I, I believe as we get into the smart truck technology and we we start to um, capture some of that data that we don't have great uh, information on now, we'll be able to uh, better identify which cost center the costs are actually going to. So right now it's, it's um, uh, the best information we have is what we're using to develop what costs go to commercial, what costs go to residential. But as we get that smart truck technology and we're able to track by cart, by container, um, what we're doing and where it's going, we'll have better cost information um, to add to what we have right now. And, and I think it will only get better in terms of um, the information that we have to make the decisions as we bring rates forward to you in the future. 
And, and we really are looking at this on, on multiple lenses through our commitments. And I think the, the beauty of this, unlike some of the other ones where the commitments actually kind of butt heads with each other, in this instance, sounds fiscal stewardship and environmental sustainability, I think will start to really align over the course of these five years to actually helping us with our rates and our cost as we get better at diverting and finding other ways to eliminate waste. Um, I know that um, many of you have traveled. There are other parts of the world that are far better at this than, than we are, and I think Lawrence is um, um, going to want to see what those options are to help um, not only control costs, but better serve their environment. Thank you. I do have one more question on the, uh, the recommended rate increase slide. Could you go back to that? It's like one. Yeah, that one. So you, um, you say six, six and a half, six and a half percent, or a dollar thirty-four. It, is it like whichever is most or less, or, or how does that apply? It, it, um, the, it's a percentage increase of six and a half percent on uh, single and multifamily, or a dollar thirty-four a month. Sorry, we didn't put the per month um, behind there. So okay, so the it's not an or. It, it's 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 a dollar thirty-two. Okay, got it. Yes. So let me ask you this then: on so a single family, that's just one house. Obviously, multifamily, you got five houses or a fourplex. Is that dollar thirty-four for all four? Four of them or each? It would be for each unit. For each unit is a dollar thirty-four yes. or whatever. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Last year during the rate process, we um, we put in in place a multifamily rate that's equal to a residential rate and kind of restructured our. Um, rate structure and so this now those are on the same level where they weren't actually before so it, it's equal to it okay thank you that's all i got any further questions yes, sir okay i'll open this up for public comment let's see anybody here um sherry do we have any online Okay, I'll go ahead and bring us back. Uh, any discussion on this? Further discussion on this? I would just jump in there and say a lot of people, when they think about solid waste, only think about you know the one container and things like alley rehabs um, and and what we're doing with recycling and what we're doing um, in some of the commercial side and bringing those rates together. I think are all very important. I look forward to the master plan and, and, well, the route study too, but the, the master plan, I think, as you said, there's lots of communities that do it a lot differently. And I guess I've found it's now an empty nester. I think about, you know, I don't even fill up my small trash can, you know, and some of those other options about, you know, is there ways you can create, once you have small trucks in particular, ways you can, you know, incentivize people, you know, not to, um, put the waste out, but then design routes that allow some flexibility there. I mean, I've seen other communities do it. I'll see if it works here, but be looking forward to seeing those options. Yep. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing the day where you know our sustainability principles and fiscal responsibility kind of <laughs> match up and <laughs> roll side by side. That'd be that's gonna be great. Um. Okay, 
Uh, if there are no further, I would entertain a motion. I'll make one. I'll adopt on first reading ordinance number 10021 to establish solid waste rates for 2024. Second. Okay, first and second. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Looks like none opposed. Passes five to zero. Thank you all. Appreciate it. Thank you. John. All right. Um, going on to the next item, commission items. And first up is a discussion of city commissioner board and commission assignments and designations. So, Mayor, this is something you all do every year. Um, just kind of go through and see if there's any reassignments because there is one board in particular that um, the appointee is the current mayor and then the sister cities is the mayor designee. So we can go through these however you would like. And then okay. there are also two that have um, the positions vacated with the exit of Commissioner Shipley. Okay. All right. Um, well, shoot, I'll start. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm beyond the public library board and uh, I'll go ahead and take sister cities unless anybody else wants it. All right. And I am open to whatever preferences anybody else has. Sounds good. Hey, Mayor. Um, one, I know I'm on Explore Lawrence. I'd like to stay on the Explore Lawrence board. Um, we had our board retreat last week and we've made some very good um, headway this past year. And I think some of that fell off a little bit because of some, we just didn't have that good rapport going with city staff and the advisory board. So there are some things that were left off that were kind of left on the plates of some folks to carry on. And I'd like to be able to be a part of that board to keep that movement going. So I would like to stay on the Explore Lawrence board. Um, one of the things I want to kind of rip the Band-Aid off and get some discussions going, we have two different economic development boards, EDC and KU Innovation Park. Um, other than uh, Mr. Dever, I'm the only one that's not that's been on that's been on the commission that has tenured has not been able to serve on the economic development board, and it's something that I've expressed um, with several other commissioners. Um, so, would like to. Uh, I know that Mayor, you're on one for um, KU Innovation, Commissioner Larson's on one for EDC, um, and I would like to have the opportunity to serve on one of those economic development boards. I, I'm just, I was going to back off on those anyway. Hey, sounds yeah. good. I'll take EDC. Okay. Yeah, and I probably mean, uh, yeah. yeah. I noticed that'd be three or four. Boards. Yeah. So yes. if you, I've been, you know, familiar, I was on for eight years. Okay. I'd love to see what's happening and be a part of it, but I'm happy to share with somebody else as well. But sounds like you're going to have at least uh, three other things to do, but <laughs> I want to make sure that. Are you sure you don't want to fight Finkelai for B? <laughs> <laughs> I'll do DMI. Okay. But uh, so, so I'm, the, I'm hearing uh, Vice Mayor Dever for BTBC. If that's possible, okay. and I'm happy to fill any other board or seat um, or share whatever is necessary. Okay. But um, yes, thank you. Okay, and then I'm hearing nobody else is saying anything otherwise. Commissioner Sellers for EDC of Lawrence, and also Explore Lawrence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I had a question about our steering committee for the community health plan. I know it noticed that when the memo came out, it said a municipal representative serves as a member. So have we just always just defected to a commissioner on that? Or mm. what has been the rationale for? Not that I'm saying there should not be one. Um, but I was just when I saw that, that kind of piqued my curiosity of 
why it's why it clearly states a municipal representative and not a commissioner. I can't speak to that. I think okay. that's that's just how um, bylaws were written. I do know we reached out to them to get like a current link to sort of what's going mm -hmm. on. We don't have a lot of information on the site for whose members, just because we like to do that. Yeah, and they, um, you know, were very hopeful. They really wanted you to stay on the board, or at least no. <laughs> well, I have a I have a meeting with Vicky on Thursday, so I figured that's probably what the pitch was. So I'm yeah. not trying to <laughs> remove myself. I was just curious. I was curious to know that's the only one that has a nuance that says a municipal representative. And so, were they just know, trying to be playful with the language? Um, their bylaws or their or okay. the founding document. Yeah, I mean, I was going to nominate you, Sherry, but. I, <laughs> Well, so you, Commissioner Lawson, you said you wanted a DMI? Yeah, on the yeah, DMI. Okay, gotcha. Um, Commissioner Devil, you get a, Vice Mayor Devil, you get another board here. You, you, MPO is one that looks like it's open, or the Community Health Plan, Commissioner Souls, you plan to stay on that, I think, quite follow. I'll, I'll talk with Vicki on Thursday. Okay. And so I'll jump on MPO if she would, wants to, if Commissioner Sellers wants to stay on um, the other one, if yeah. two is what we're looking for, then that that's fine with me too. The MPO would be great too, so whatever. Now I'm, I'm very happy to stay on Criminal Justice Coordinating Council. We spent most of the year doing committee work and we're still doing that committee work, but I think it'll come to fruition in the end of okay. next year, so I'll be happy to stay on that. All right. Um, do we have an open spot on MPO then? Well, I mean, I can still do it. It's yeah. not a problem. It's up to you. Yeah, because I'll take the vacant one and. Yeah, it'll be. We'll, we'll tag team. Yeah, that's not a problem. Okay. All right. So, all right, Sherry, let's let's do the rundown. Okay. <laughs> all right. So for the library board, uh -huh. um, the mayor. Mm -hmm. um, for sister cities, also Mayor Little John. For EDC, Commissioner Sellers. For B. KU Innovation Park is the Vice Mayor. Uh, DMI is Commissioner Larson. Explore Lawrence Board, Commissioner Sellers. Uh, the MPO Policy Board is the Mayor and Vice Mayor. Uh, CJCC is Commissioner Finkeldye. And then on the Community Health Plan Steering Committee is Commissioner Sellers. With a question mark. With a right. question mark. What a question. <laughs> and if depending on what you decide to find out, I'm only on one committee. I'd right. be happy to jump in on that, but I'm happy to do one committee as well, too. <laughs> I don't know about that. that one <laughs> to three ratio. No, no, no about. Yeah. I do have a development code. The development so, code okay. is going to keep me busy here. For I guess that adds one or two, so. That's true. The development code, we're going to start meeting monthly, by the way. I've been on so many I know. I'm just messing with I know. I need a little break. <laughs> All right. That was uh, easy. Yes, Commissioner Sellers, uh, Community Health Plan, question mark. Got it. All right. Is that good enough for you, Sherry? Yeah, that's what I needed. All right. Thank you. And I'll, get, I'll send that out to all of you because I will say the MPO board... Uh, policy board they have a meeting on Thursday and they had some concerns about a quorum but I'll have Jessica reach out to you if okay. that's still a concern I know that's short notice for you vice mayor but that is something they were concerned about oh it, it was already on my schedule okay. or no vice mayor I'm scared. Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm sorry uh, yeah but yeah okay all right 
move us on. Are there any um, item number two? Are there any commission items? Any commissioner have any commission items? No, sir. All right. All right. All right. I'll go ahead and move us on. Um, item H, city manager's report. Uh, it, it's just the future agenda items. Okay. We're going to finish strong with next meeting. <laughs> yes, we do. You're putting mm -hmm. us through the paces. I'm mm -hmm. looking at it. So are we looking at January 2nd still being open? Uh, we've had some things item um, listed. I just haven't had a chance to get that up. Okay. But I'll make sure it is for next week. Okay. It's worth a try. Yeah, it was a try. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no, thanks, Sherry. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Uh, and since this is an item that uh, has public comment, uh, would ask for any public comment out here. Not seeing any. Any public comment online and Zoom? There is not. All right. Bringing it back. I don't think we need to do anything else with it. Um, That'll move us on to calendar, mission calendar. Everything looks good. All right. I move to adjourn. <laughs> I will second that motion. First and a second. All those in favor to adjourn, please say aye. 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 <laughs> I think Good evening, everyone.